Blog Talk Radio. The table has been set. The cobwebs have been shaken away. On Friday night, under the lights at Duke, where the Blue Devils are surprising 4-0, the Miami Hurricane football season begins for real. Any off-season question marks must be thrown out the window now. Any problems that may exist in, say, the defensive backfield, for example, better be fixed. One way or the other, when the Hurricanes show up in Durham, North Carolina later this week, the Canes must be ready. Yeah. I try to tell you you ain't ready. You ever seen a man not afraid to die? Gave his life for a dream. Born hustler, so the game conceived. A cage beat, but now I'm free. How can you blame me? I was born for this. The game chose me. Now I've been training for this my whole life. Carpe diem, huh? This the moment, right? Right. We gon' turn up and rock plenty ice. This is our time. Yeah, I'm about that life. I'm a street dude, deep dude, to think quicker. Would take over the world, but do I dream bigger? Never satisfied. I'm trying to be richer and pull out a little bit for those who ain't with us. Ready, ready. I don't get ready, I stay ready. Cause the consequences is heavy. My man deep steady, we never quit. Even though the thing's heavy, we push like a seven seven Chevy. Boy, ready, ready. My whole clique since '06 was on the bottom. Now we running it, grind hard when the load gets heavy. The money was slow, but now it's ready. You boys. You boys don't want it with us, so stop lying Show me a dude can, I show you a boy dying I ain't lying We are self-built, self-made, self-sustained Self-seekers, selfish, yo, I'm trying to get paid My goons do it in the rain To be clear, we are not the same You were born, I was made You're still forever in the grave We've already spent many moons Tripping cool drinks in the shade Picture me on a stage With 50,000 fans in a ride In a frenzy, don't cross these boys We got a second chance away I'm coming at you every day until you see it all right I'm glad we can see eye to eye Before somebody had to die Please don't cry It's occasionally necessary to push a dude over the ledge So he can come to his head and know that he's not ready Ready? I don't get ready, I stay ready Cause the consequences is heavy My man be steady, we'll never quit Even though the thing's heavy We push like a 7-7-7 point Ready, ready My whole clique since 06 Was on the bottom, now we running it Grind hard when the low gets heavy the money was slow, but now it's ready. You boys is not ready. Ready, ready. I don't get ready. I stay ready. Cause the consequences is heavy. My man be steady. We'll never quit. Even though the thing's heavy. We push like a 7-7-7. Boy, ready, ready. My whole clique since so 06. What's on the bottom? Now we running it. Grind hard when the low gets heavy. The money was slow, but now it's ready. You boys is not ready. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and we once again welcome you to Canesport Live. As always, this is your show, and it'll be driven by your participation. The call-in number is 563-999-3633. That's 563-999-3633. As always, more than 100 open phone lines out there, plenty of room for everybody to call in and participate. You know the drill. You hit the number one on your keypad it puts you in the queue we bring you on the show in the order that you land in that queue before we get to your calls let's start tonight with a quick assessment 
of what we've seen from the Miami Hurricanes in the first two games. I think everyone would agree that Malik Rozier has been everything you could hope he would be. I thought the second half that he put up in the Toledo game on Saturday, even though it was against a weak Toledo defense, was a great sign. Here's why. He had to be a leader. He had to bring the team back from what was a stunning deficit at halftime. And other than one throw, I thought he did everything absolutely perfect. More than that, he's handling himself with maturity, both on and off the field. Mark Rick said this week that there was a time last year where he didn't think Malik Rozier would ever play at Miami. Malik wasn't responding well to being a backup, didn't seem as interested as Mark Rick thought he should be, wasn't as thorough on or off the practice field as the coach thought he should be. But Rozier has turned it up a few notches this year, and that's a good sign for the offense as a whole as it now gets ready to embark on the meat of its, of its schedule. How about Mark Walton? He's been absolutely sensational. 200 yards last week on just 11 carries? I mean, that's ridiculous. And he's showing great explosion and acceleration and unquestionably is playing like one of the better running backs in the country right now. And how about his backup, Travis Homer, who has without question been one of the positive surprises on the team. And I thought Chuck Gray, on his one carry last week, looked better than he ever has as a Miami Hurricane. So let's give a shout-out to Coach Thomas Brown right now, because that's one position on the football team where everyone seems to be maxing out in their performance. The starting offensive line has been pretty darn solid. Rozier has time to throw, and the backs are piling up yards. Chris Herndon, same thing. He's been as good as expected. And last week, we even saw Michael Irvin making contributions. And what about the receiver group as a whole? My God, how good are those guys playing? So there's a ton, a ton to be excited about on the offensive side of the ball, even though they weren't at their best in the first half the other day. And I thought part of that was just they weren't as aggressive as they needed to be in that game. And when Mark Rick flipped that switch at halftime and came out gunning, uh, Toledo was helpless. And they stayed helpless for the, re- for the rest of the game. And even when they cut the lead down and Miami had to amp it up again, they were able to do so very quickly and uh, put the exclamation point on the victory. Now, the defense... If we're honest, I think we would all agree that the defense is probably underachieved a little bit, and that needs to change beginning this week against a Duke team that is better than, like I said, people thought it would be. I thought R.J. McIntosh had a nice game on Saturday, but I don't think we've seen enough of Kendrick Norton yet this year. Joe Jackson has looked to play pretty well at defensive end. I'm not sure Chad Thomas has made his presence felt the way you would hope that the former five-star recruit would be doing as a senior. He certainly should have a lot more to offer. Freshman Jonathan Garvin has flashed the skills that we heard so much about through the spring and fall drills. I think Trent Harris, Mr. Solid, has been himself, as always. I think the linebackers, who aren't getting a ton of chances, 
have been fine. But there's no question that the defensive backfield has, has been a work in progress. And truthfully, I don't think we should be surprised by that. I said it before the season. I'll say it again tonight. I think everyone took for granted what Jamal Carter and Rayshon Jenkins and Corn Elder and those guys brought to the table at their positions of safety and cornerback last year. And I don't think there was any reason to even imagine that Jaquan Johnson being asked to be a full-time safety for the first time, Sheldrick Redwine, an average corner, being converted to safety. Why would those guys play anywhere near the level of those guys last year? Now, Amari Carter, the freshman, made a great hit against Bethune, got all of us excited, myself included. We all started thinking, hey, maybe he should be on a little bit of an accelerated program. Maybe Amari Carter can be the answer and the spark that, this, that would help this secondary achieve. Well, I think it was pretty clear out there on Saturday that Amari doesn't really know what he's doing yet. <laughs> the cornerback positions hasn't been any better. Dee Delaney, for whatever reason, has been inconsistent and has been exposed at times. To my eye, he's not being physical enough with the receivers. They're being allowed to just run wherever they want. His technique is breaking down at other times. I think Delaney could play a lot better. You know how I feel about his so-called acquisition on this team. I would hate to see that secondary without this fifth-year senior who's got a ton of experience in football games. I think he'll play better. Um, but right now he's struggling a bit. And you can bet David Cutcliffe, the Duke head coach, is watching that Miami game film here in Durham. that he's thinking he can get some things done not just on Dee Delaney, but on this secondary as a whole. And I expect them to be challenged again on Friday night. Malik Young's probably been the most solid of the DBs, but let's be honest, he's undersized, and I don't think he could be expected to go 80 snaps. It just won't work. So the coaches are being forced to play Michael Jackson, who you know, I, I think it wouldn't be offensive to say is an average talent. I thought a bright spot on Saturday for the secondary was Trey John Bandy. He was given a few more opportunities, and I thought he really did well. And if he keeps that up, I think his reps will increase. But don't start to think that he, he's ready to go 80 snaps either, because he's not. And uh, you don't want to see the coaches even attempt that. They need all these guys to come through um, and make that secondary acceptable, or else that's where, in my opinion, the season can get compromised by teams that are able to throw the ball. And Duke can do it. Florida State can do it. And even Georgia Tech, their running offense, might be able to do it against a defense that's geared up to stop the run. So we'll see what happens there. But, um, you know, you can't keep seeing coverage busts. You can't keep seeing receivers left uncovered, which we saw more than once. It's inexcusable. You might survive like that against Toledo, but there are better teams coming up and they're not going to be able to survive those kind of issues. So the DBs need to start picking it up starting on Friday night. In addition to football, I'm sure by now everyone has heard about the FBI crackdown on illicit recruiting and human brokering activities that are taking place in the college basketball world. 
that we all have known have been taking place in the college basketball world for years that just keep getting worse and worse. While some, like the head coach at Kentucky, for example, who keeps piling up five-star recruits every year to come to his school and play for one year and go out into the NBA, the FBI is tired of it, and they're tired of watching it, and they have declared war against the college basketball world, and it is already ugly, and it's going to get uglier. I can promise you that. They're raiding offices of agents. They're going after coaches. They, they, they have all kinds of things in their sights. And what happened today that, that kind of rocked everybody, I think, is just the beginning. And right now it looks like Miami might be caught in the middle of the mess if the words of some of the defendants are taken as gospel. Because they're saying that an unnamed Miami assistant coach was aware and was a facilitator in Adidas plans to pay a high school recruit who we believe is Nasir Little out of the Orlando area $150,000 to attend Miami. Now, you know, the one thing I'll say is if somebody's talking about paying somebody $150,000 to go to Miami, <laughs> the Canes have arrived in this ugly world. I mean, that's a lot of money. That, that, that's as much money as I've ever heard a recruit being paid in any sport. Um, you know, but, but apparently, you know, I, I did hear whispers that a kid was paid that recently to go to Kentucky. And um, apparently that's the number being thrown around for these five stars this year. And uh, like I said, a couple of these defendants are claiming that they were going to pay this kid to go to Miami and that a Miami assistant coach was aware of those plans and even a potential facilitator in them. Now, where is that going to lead? There's a lot of hearsay there. A lot of he said, she said, I'm sure. My guess is the Miami assistant coach is not going to agree with their version of events. There doesn't appear to be any material evidence of this taking place. It hasn't taken place. This, is, this was a prospective deal. So I don't know where it's going to go. I'm sure, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see a few things happen. Once I know Jim Laranega has been out on the road recruiting, and he'll be coming back. And I'm sure he's going to have a meeting to discuss this with Blake James. I don't expect Laranega to have any, um, any issues in this situation. But the question will become, will the University of Miami wait to see this thing play out before – they start, uh, say, lowering the boom on an assistant or two? Or will they want to show the NCAA that they're proactive and will head start fall in immediately? And that's the, the one lingering question we don't know. We'll have to see what happens. But either way, none of this is good for Miami basketball in any way, shape, or form. Um, it's, you know, it's a shame because there's, there's been so much forward momentum in that program. Some people, you know, I'm sure will have smart alecky comments to make about that after today's news. But it's still, you know, for those in the Canes Nation, I think it's a shame to now see the basketball program have to go through this again um, and, you know, be in, in a compromised position because of, you know, some type of crazy occurrence out there in the recruiting world. So we have all of that and more to talk about tonight. And as always, we ask the fans on the message boards at .com to submit questions and topics 
that they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show. I want to get to your calls right now, so I will space those questions in tonight as we move through, through the show. So let's go out to the phones, 563-999-3633 is the number, 563-999-3633. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. That'll put you in the queue, and I'll bring you on in the order that you hit that number one. And we're going to begin tonight where I think we usually begin. Um, And everyone's always asking me, how does Greg do it? How does he always become the first caller on Kane Sport Live? Well, I could tell you, tonight he called into the show. I could see it on my screen at about 7.45 and got in that queue, and he was first. And now he gets to come on first as he usually does. So, Greg, welcome back to Kane Sport Live. How are you doing this evening? How you doing, Gary? Gave away my secret. But anyway, um, <laughs> why well, does it take... I want to beat Greg. What does he do? Call at 7 o'clock? So, you know, no. I figure I'd throw it out there. Because somebody's going to beat you All right. this week. <laughs> um, I'm just wondering why it took the DA from the Southern District of New York to come up with this. What has the NCAA been looking at for years with Kentucky and Duke and Carolina? They, they... The NCAA, I don't think they could do this on their own. I really don't. Like, you know, you're talking about uh, undercover operations involved here. You're talking about wiretaps. You're talking about informants. You know, you're talking about a whole different level of investigation that I don't think the NCAA with its team is capable of, to be honest with you. And um, obviously somebody got fed up and someone was tired of watching it. And, and you know, I, I, I don't, I think everyone knows how widespread all this cheating and payoffs and everything in, in, in college basketball primarily has been. And, and everybody knows it's also infected the football world as well. And, um, you know, somebody just decided, look, it's time for us to go after this, and 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 they have. And the the FBI people that did this have been doing a pretty good job of of what they do. Well, uh, the the kid you mentioned is he did he uh, commit to anybody yet? No, he's not committed. He was scheduled to visit Miami this week. You know, I don't know if that's on or off at, after all this. Um, but uh, no, he has not committed to anybody. He's been weighing his options. Miami's been very much in his picture, no question about it. And supposedly what materialized, made this whole thing materialize based on the documents that I read today was Nike apparently offered to pay the kid $150,000 to go to a Nike school. And through different conversations, Adidas got wind of that. And, um, you know, of course, these guys are claiming that Miami, that a Miami coach was involved in these conversations. And Adidas said, you know, the heck with that. We'll pay him 150000 to go to one of our schools, Miami. And that's how this whole thing, came, you know, how Miami got included in this mess. But you know, uh, I don't let's know get back to football here to hell with this for now. Um, <laughs> you, I agree 100% with your assessment on the secondary, and I can trace it back to the 2014 recruiting class that would be seniors right now and provide leadership on the back end. These are our three recruits, Kai Hester, Marquez Guyton, and Ryan Mays. None of them mm-hmm. are in the program. They all left for uh, reasons. I don't know why. 
But no, anyway, that's pretty, 2015, pretty good research. Hen, I agree. Henley, Redwine, Knowles, Johnson, and Jackson. I don't see a great player in any, either one of those classes. Nope. That's why right. we don't have a good secondary right now. And then you have uh, – uh, what, what is going on with this guy, Dean? He can't get on the field? you, you got to be kidding. Uh, you know, uh, they, had, uh, they haven't really said a lot of, uh, and explained why. Obviously, it was a big topic during training camp, but he clearly – uh, had fallen behind everybody in training camp. Uh, I think he was having a hard time with the tempo of practice. I don't think he came in in great shape. I think he was having a hard time picking up the playbook and um, just allowed himself to be passed up by everybody at a position where you just noted there's not a lot of talent. So that's disappointing because when they were, when you recruited Juco like that, you know, you're looking for him to come in and play. And they were counting on him. I think they were counting on him to be a starter. And they wanted Malik Young to be uh, um, a slot corner, in my, you know, I'm pretty sure. And it, it just threw all those plans up in the air when he wasn't ready to go. And they're not going to force it, obviously. You know, if he's not ready to go, they're going to make other plans, which is what they've done. And they, they moved Michael Jackson into a platoon, um, which I didn't think worked real well the other day. I mean, you know, so I don't know. You know, it's. I think it's going to be a, a challenge the whole year, to be honest with you. Right. We, I just want to add two quick names, Jeff James and Cedric Wright, two more yep. that were wasted recruits. Yeah, well, I think that, anyway, yeah, usually, usually you'd want, like, at least 16 DBs on the roster. I think they have 11 right now. And of those 11, right, they're not well, all they're not all great players, as you just noted. So well, I think next year's class is going to get a shot to play right away. Well, that's why you're seeing them bring you know bring in so many DBs in this next class. Right. All right. Uh, I want to mention: Is there anything to this thing, Rick yelling at Manny Diaz? Greg, I didn't see it. I I, I saw the post on the message board. Uh, it was not picked up on TV. I didn't see it happen. That doesn't mean it didn't happen. Um, but so far, only one guy has seen it happen. I haven't, I haven't okay. spoken to anybody or heard anybody else say that they saw it. So, you know, I don't know. All right. Uh, now, uh, Rosier shouldn't, shouldn't uh, be nervous going to Duke since he's already won a game there. So I think he I, – I prefer him over Kaya any day of the week. At least, at least he can run with the ball. He can get out of the pocket and not be a statue like Kaya was. I think he's smarter than Kaya also. I mean, and, right uh, now he's certainly playing as well as Kaya was playing. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Right. Now, what would you think if I told you that Trent Harris would have more sacks in his career than Chad Thomas? Crazy. That's, Chad Thomas, I, I don't think his head is – I don't think he really loves football. I think he's going to be a music guy because he's not getting the most out of his ability. In my no, definitely. I, I would totally agree with that. He's gotten by. He, he has so much raw talent that he's been able to survive through a, a career and, and be a, a, a player who starts a lot of games and plays a lot. But you're absolutely, I don't disagree with you at all. And I think uh, you're going to see I Jonathan think, Garvin playing for him more and more if he doesn't pick it up. Know, 
because the, oh, the coaches well, aren't going to yeah. stand for it. They're, they're you know, they're they're going to go with the if, if the older guy isn't going to perform, they're going to go with the younger guy. Are you going to the game this week? I will be there. Are you going to be there? I might. I'm thinking about it. All right. Well, if you all right, say hello. Um, say hello. All right, Gary. Thanks for the time, and I'll talk to you again next week. You got it, Greg. Thank you as always for being part of the show. Thank you. Five six three nine 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 three six three three. Five six three nine 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 three six three three. Hit the number one on your keypad if you want to be like Greg and come on Kane Sport Live. We'll get you on. Let's go to the nine one seven. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey. How you doing tonight? Hey Gary, what's up? BK Hurricane. What's up, BK? What you got for us? Hey, hey man, how's it going, man? Long time no speak. Is everything? I uh, hope um, family, everybody's doing okay. Yeah, we're all good. We're all good. Uh, yeah, you guys made it through the hurricane, all right, right? Yep. All right. Listen, um, just a couple quick things. I'm not going to stay on too long. I want to give everybody a chance to get on. Uh, like, I'm not sure if it was addressed with Greg. I got on a little late, but this D. Delaney, you know, situation that you got going on. I know he's a grad transfer, fifth year senior, this and whatever, and Rick came out and said, you know, like they have a lot of faith in him that he's going to turn this around. Like, do you really think he could turn it around with, like, like this is two teams in a row just – you could tell they specifically are targeting him. I do because the, the mistakes he's making are correctable. Um, he's, it's not like he's physically overmatched or anything. I mean, his techniques breaking down at, on individual plays – I, I, you know, I, I just, I, I think it can be corrected. I, I think he, I think he would benefit if, if he was a little bit more physical with the receivers. I mean, he's just letting people run free, and that's right. not helping him at all. So you can make, he can make a few adjustments, just become a little bit more sound, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it is correctable and fixable. So you think it's pretty much just nothing to worry about because, you know, like, dude, well, I'm, not I'm pretty that. sure Cutcliffe is really going to exploit it. We don't know yet. Right, so we're going to find out on Friday, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. And, 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 and just Friday. because they don't sleep on the following week either. That kid's going to have a couple more weeks under his belt. And, and uh, he did throw for, I think, 270 the other day against NC State. So it's not like the Florida State's shutting down their passing game. So um, Right. You know they got to be better, and I said even Georgia Tech. You know when you got to sit out there and be a, be in single coverage on those receivers, and because you got to commit so much to the to stop the run game, uh, the secondary is ah, going to yeah. be under the gun, and they they got to get it together. All right, well let's just hope he could turn it around. Now, um, in terms of, uh, this is the last question, like in terms with uh, with uh, Rick's play calling, you know in that first that first half, or do you think it was just you know, something like, you know, just like the players, they were out of the loop for a little while and, you know, it took them a while to get to get up to speed or this is just Mark Rick being Mark Rick. This is a well, real long thing. But. I mean, you got to, you know, he came out running and it's not like they didn't have success. I mean, Mark, right. Walton had, uh, Mark Walton had 150 yards, I think, five minutes into the game. Right. So, one was a eighty yarder. The other I understand. Was a 50, almost a fifty. I understand, yarder, but when so. you go when you when you go eighty yards, that's you're not having to call a lot of plays, is what I'm saying. You know. Right. So, I mean, he came out running. They were having success, and it was a hot hot day. And I'm sure he's thinking, I'm going to wear these guys out, and all the efficiency just kind of came to a stop. And before they knew it. 
they're going in at halftime and losing. And, um, you know, I think you saw what happened when they came out in the second half. Mark Rick got a lot more aggressive. I think he called 10 straight passes right. to coming out of the locker room. Um, I believe that was the number. I'd have to look at the play-by-play to double-check it. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think he threw 10 straight plays, and they just overwhelmed, to, you know, a Toledo defense that couldn't match up athletically. Right. So do you feel that the defense as a whole is is underperforming just a little bit? Like, like even the defensive line, like the linebackers, you know, outside of Quarterman, you know, they're you know, – Pinkney and McLeod are kind of quiet, you know. Well, they're they're, they're not getting to play a lot because the teams are rolling five wide receivers out there. They're having the match up. So, right. so last week they brought C.J. Perry in as like a linebacker that can cover, and you know they're playing extra DBs and who are running all over the place, and their their depth is down, so they're tired as hell, and they're rolling guys in and out. And it became chaotic, and um. I mean, you saw what was going on out there. They gained three hundred, I think, three hundred, just under three hundred yards in the first half. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's ridiculous. That's a nightmare. And uh, to their credit, they played a much better third quarter before they regressed a little bit in the fourth. But uh, you know, the co- the coaches will tell you they, that the kids were a little tired, that they weren't, that they lost some of their conditioning in those nine days off during the storm. Uh, you know. Is it an excuse? I don't, you know, I mean, I don't know that that would be fair. I mean, I guess I'm not an expert on this subject. I guess you can lose some of your wind and conditioning and football conditioning right. when you don't play for three weeks and you don't practice for nine, 10 days. Um, so that's what they say was going on. And, um, you know, they, they had their struggles at times, but, you know, at least they played a good third quarter, which let the team come back and take, take charge of the game. Oh, all right. Well, let's just hope they can turn it around quick. You know the you know the real season starts on Friday. So. Yep, no doubt. All right, Gary, thanks a lot. Just keep me on. You got it, PK. Nice talking to you as always. Let's go out to the seven five four. You're live on Kane Sport Live. What's happening, Gary? How you feeling? I'm doing great. Who's this? It's Jerome, man. What's up? What's what's been going on? What's up, Jerome? Eh, just you know, it's football hey. season, man. We're having all kinds of fun. Hey, man. Hey. You you know Gary, uh, I was just I, I I can't describe how I was Saturday. You know, just waiting for football, waiting for football, and 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 I was a little bit disappointed with my fellow Kane fans as far as attendance. I thought maybe they were feeling the same thing I was. You know, by you know it hadn't been we've been you know we lost the game due to the hurricane and so forth and and the build up. I I, I just I was disappointed that. Not you know more fannies wasn't in the seat there, man. That that you know that I that's what I was expecting. And uh, you know well, they and announced then they announced forty nine thousand. I don't think there were forty nine thousand there. I think it was maybe more like forty, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but get, I agree with you. It could have been better. Yeah, yeah. But but Gary, uh, the the thing I like I'm looking at that I like. Uh, the most right now, Gary, moving forward is I just hope they continue to, to improve. Is our offensive line, man? I was just just watching Navon, man. Navon, when they when they broke those runs, they were on St. Louis and uh, Navon side. They were clearing yep. them out pretty good, man. You know, they Navon broke some nice runs whole, on. on a, he brings the whole thing to another level, doesn't he? 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And just think, you know, being a freshman, Gary, man, you know, what he'll be like in a, as, a, as a sophomore and junior, man, it's, it's really going to be something else. But, Gary, the two guys that are going to be have big season uh, because of our speed, I would say, when you, when you put uh, Amon Richard, Mike Harley, and, and, and uh, Jeff Thomas, it's going to be Berrios and, and, and Herndon. They, they're going to eat up the middle, man. It's, I, I see quite a bit. Offensively, Gary, I just see so much uh, so much hope there. But don't get me wrong, Gary. It's the secondary, I believe, D. Delaney going to catch. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to come around and uh, play better. And, Gary, I'm praying for uh, 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 Dean, Javante Dean, to, to somehow uh, find his way into the lineup and, and uh, get because – Gary, when they play Georgia Tech, our defense, not to look ahead. Duke is, is, is the game. But, I, but when I think about how our, defense, our defensive backs have to tackle mm-hmm. as well as play one-on-one, that is such a tough assignment. And, Gary, I ain't going to tell you no lie, man. I I, I want to see Paul Johnson out of out of our conference, man. I, you know, I just – that offense just uh, – I, 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 it, 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 it's it a pain in the neck. Time. It's a pain in the neck yeah. to, have to sh- totally change everything you're doing for one week. Yeah, man. And, you know he don't he don't want to give up any possession. He want to cut your possession down. But getting back to Duke, the coach of uh, Duke. Hey, man, I gotta salute that guy, man. He's 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 doing a pretty good job for a basketball school. But Gary, I think we're gonna come up there, and uh, I think we're gonna play well and. And I believe we're going to come out on top. I expect us to come out on top. I, I'm not going to say we're going to beat them real bad. It's going to be a battle, no doubt. It's ACC. But, Gary, this is our year to finally get that uh, the, uh, the Coastal. It's, it's, we got to come up with the Coastal. And I think we got a quarterback right now who can who can present a run, a run threat, and to keep defenses off balance. My brother and I, we were just – talking to each other and say, man, he's going to have to keep it pretty. He's going to have to tuck it in. The RPO got to show up pretty soon. And sure enough, whenever he ran, he he scored two touchdowns, but one was called back, you know? Mm-hmm. One was called back. And again, yeah, it's, it, uh, it's working one, very effectively. Go ahead. It's working very yeah. effectively. Right and, and, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And before I go there, one more thing. Uh, the kid who – we got away with a, with a personal foul on that, on that punt. We got away with one, Gary. Yes, we did. We got away with that mm-hmm. one because that kid, child, he slammed into him, and he did not have to touch him. And, Gary, when they make mistakes like that, you got to sit a kid down for a while, man, when you make a mistake like that. Because I was shocked that they caught the referee didn't throw the flag. I mean, didn't hold, uphold the flag on that one because, Gary, you know how it is. Them, you know, they, they had these makeup calls. And the makeup calls, you don't know how, how critical those makeup calls can be. And at the time, they happen, you know? Well, you I know, saw so. Michael Jackson doing some extra work on the practice field today. I don't know if, uh, <laughs> if that, I don't know if that was a result of that play or not, but uh, they kept him out there a little longer than everybody else. Let's put it that way. So, Well, I, 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 I would hope that that's what it would and hopefully – you know, thriller can come back and 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 not be so thrilled on 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 no punt coverage. You know, but we're gonna make plays on special teams. He's gonna turn around. He's gonna make plays. And Gary, I'm just looking for things to just continue to get better and better as we go, man. And Gary, thank you so much for taking your time to you know put me on the line and taking my call and put me on hold. And I and I look forward to speaking with you next week. 
You got it, Jerome. It was a pleasure, as always, uh, talking to you. All right, guys, this next segment of Kane Sport Live is brought to you by a company that you've heard me talk about for a few weeks now. Very cool company created by Canes fans where you don't get to work unless you're a Canes fan. And, uh, of course, I'm talking about the startup.com, which is the world's first virtual incubator created by Canes fans to help Canes fans and their friends and family try to get a break in the competitive business world. And, uh, the folks at the startup.com have created a workplace without walls and an internet-based platform called the ecosystem where any current or aspiring entrepreneur can go and test their ideas, build business plans, communicate and strategize with team members, and even forecast and manage their cash flows. The ecosystem was created to be a command center for entrepreneurs, housing a robust suite of digital tools for startups and business owners. So visit the startup.com today for a free trial. One site, one price to rule them all. That's the startup.com created by Canes fans to help Canes fans. Check them out as soon as you're done participating for it live this evening. All right, 563-999-3633 is the number, 563-999-3633. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. And let's go out to the 786, where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Gary, how are you? I'm doing great. Who's this? Everything 305. What's up, man? Always look forward to well, your calls. What you got What you got for us this week? Well, look. I got to tell you, it's a sad day. Sad day to know that Dwayne Wade's not going to come back home just yet. So we'll have oh, to Oh, my God. I mean, well, what yet. a joke. Mr. Miami, <laughs> Wade County, okay? And now two years in a row, he's dissing the Miami Heat. The team that brought him up from a little pup into a Hall of Fame player. And he's running around being, you know, Trump's do I mean uh, LeBron's do boy Trump. I'm going crazy. LeBron's do boy. I mean, you believe well, that? Disappointing, but I I mean, I'll be even more disappointed if they ever bring him back. Now, enough that you know, don't give me some final vi- tour in the last year when you can't play anymore, and and then say, oh geez, now I want to come back. If I'm the Miami Heat, forget it. I'm done with Dwayne Wade. When he retires, I'll do the jersey retirement. I'll have the ceremony. But if I'm running the Miami Heat. Dwayne Wade does not play one more second for this franchise, and that's how I feel about it. But go ahead. Well, Gary, and, and one last thing with him, I, I, th- I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of minutes for him. To be honest with you, we got a lot of young talent, and they got to play. I mean, we've invested. Oh yeah, they don't. They don't need them, but that's not the they point. Don't really need the point I mean, is they would they, they would have taken him and they would have paid him and they would have gone through the motions for the three years or so that he's going to try to play and they would have let him be a leader they would have let him teach the young guys and he would have played his twenty minutes a game which is really all he should be playing at this stage of his career if he wants his body to hold up for six months. I'd, I'd say sixteen or seventeen. That's that's more than enough. But that's all right. Uh, looking forward to uh, this Friday night, Gary. Um, had a chance to. Uh, to look at their games on uh, on uh, on the internet there, and I gotta tell you, I was really impressed with how well that defense plays. That that, that defense plays a lot faster. I've never seen them play before. Their corners are not elite in pass coverage; they really aren't. 
but they really attack receivers early on and jam them really well. They're, they're, they're more physical and they're the more explosive group than I've seen in the past. So they're playing well on that side of the ball. And then on offense, they're just they're not executing too many things for a little bit of option and stuff against Carolina. But what they do is a fantastic job of walking. That offensive line that's got three or four fifth-year seniors, I mean, they're, they're all on the same page. And the most telling thing that I found out uh, yesterday, uh, a friend of mine was telling me that they are tops in, in, in college football on third down efficiency on both sides of the ball. Hmm. So people that are taking this game for granted, you all need to wake up and understand this is going to be one heck of a, a tough ACC opening game for this group. There's no doubt about it. I mean, they're playing great football right now. They're 4-0. Uh, David Cutcliffe is one of the – more overlooked coaches in, um, you know, in college football. It does a great job and uh, one of the better run programs overall in general in the country. No question. I, I think he's, he's been there for what, this is a sixth or seventh year, I think. And in that time frame, he's put a lot of kids in the league uh, and he has done a fantastic job of, of, of just playing quality football. You know, having his kids play quality football, and he's had a lot of coaches come and go. It's almost like a revolving door over there. They don't stay there very long, but their experience is valuable, and they go on and get better jobs because uh, it's not the best football uh, job to get, kind of like what Miami used to be back in the day when, when the Elf was here. But um, I want to also point out a couple of kids that I, I know that were disappointed in their play, uh, but it just it, it it pretty much just confirms how valuable those two kids that we did not get last year in our recruiting class and, and how they'd be impacting things now how valuable those kids are gonna get uh that we didn't get and, and, and how disappointing the kids that we did get come in. Um Delaney is not even playing close. If you look at his film against the Citadel uh, when he was playing with the Citadel against even Florida State, you saw an aggressive kid, um Trust someone that was explosive could come out and, and, and jam receivers, but not only that, was good and solid against the run. You're seeing a guy who's playing scared. He's so afraid of making a mistake. And I think the other thing is, unfortunately, because of the lack of quality uh, depth throughout the secondary, we're playing a little bit more zone than we have in the past. Yeah, uh, last I think all that's contributing. And, and, and let's remember one thing about Delaney. Let's remember – why he came to Miami. He came to Miami to play a, a fifth year at an upper tier program to do what? To impress the scouts from the National Football League. And that's a burden, I think, that he's taking with him every time he walks out on that field. And I think that's contributing to some of his struggles. I, th- I think I really do. I, I, think, I think he's got a lot going through his mind. I think he's pressing um, in some cases, maybe trying a little too hard and, and, and things like that. And I think it's affecting the quality of his play. He needs to settle down. I think the coaches need to let him be a little bit more aggressive, let him play that physical style that you said you saw when you watched his tape when he was at the Citadel. And he's a bigger corner, and he should, be, he should be start being more effective. I mean, it's, not like he's, you know, it's not like he's getting like boat raced out there. I mean, he's just getting beat because the receivers that he's covering are being allowed to run wherever the heck they want to run. And he's always chasing them. Well, I think uh, 
what we were told last year, he, he got as high as a fourth-round grade. Uh, one of the scouts that was there on Saturday had a chance to see him. He's a local guy, and, and he mentioned that. And one of the big things they were looking for to see how he was coming along, uh, as well as a couple other kids. But the, the disappointing thing is, and again, just what they're pointing out, right now he doesn't look, look like a kid that's going to be drafted. Uh, no, because he's playing first two so games. Unsure. He did not look like a kid that would be drafted. I agree with you. He's he hurt himself. Uh, now and, you got a whole season ahead of you. That can change very quickly. And I, I'm going to make one great point here, which our friend did mention on, on Saturday. He goes, hey, this, hey, he's got one of the best corner coaches out there that understands what it takes and understands what he himself wasn't able to do at the next level, and and and, and is a really good teacher and. That kid will probably be playing his best ball, hopefully for everyone and himself. Come October, November, he should be playing the best ball and hopefully have a great bowl game. Uh, that was one of the last things he mentioned in addition to to uh, our defensive tackle, defensive end from Booker T, who's, who just doesn't look like he wants to be there at times. It's not the same energy, plays very inconsistent. Uh, and and if, if Coach K can't get you to, you know, can't get you the ball in every single snap. I don't know who else can, but he's he's just there, Gary. He's not. He's not. He's he hasn't done a thing yet. I don't remember. Have you? Uh, have you? Do you remember even saying or seeing or thinking his name the first two games? I, I haven't seen him make a play since the bowl game when he caused that fumble. To be honest with you, I haven't seen him play since since that since the bowl game. I haven't seen him do anything. He's held the edge well, and he's rerouted runners and all those things, but. He's just not. He's just not. Uh, not playing with any any savageness. He's got nothing. He's got no. He's he's just there, and it, it's it's sad because you look at the freshman who got in. I think he got like twenty three or twenty four plays, maybe twenty five. Uh, the kid from uh, Palm Beach, uh, Garvin. That kid's motor doesn't stop. He's. I mean, he's he's so damn active. Uh, I didn't didn't have a good play on that one face mask, but he. He's playing with the tenacity and the aggressiveness and the desire to make a play that Chad doesn't possess, and that's that. Um, one kid that I, I think was going to have a monster year, um, and it's been quite the opposite, it's been his team, his, his counterpart, uh, Norton. Norton, I guess, read his, his press clippings too much or the potential of, of being evaluated you know, as a first or second rounder this year. He's held his own, but he's not dominating the line of scrimmage, Gary. He really isn't. Uh, I agree. He slower at times. He looks slower. Uh, he's, he's a little he overweight still. Way too quick. And then you got McIntosh. If you watch McIntosh, McIntosh sometimes is taking on double teams, and you got Kenny by himself, and he's he's just pretty much engaged up and locked up at times. But uh, I'd like to see those things change. Hopefully, the the coaching. Hopefully, being back home. Hopefully, going back to the same regiment that they're going to have for the next 10, 11 weeks is going to help them. But uh, I'm very concerned about Duke. Uh, they're more than just a formidable opponent. They're, they also have an axe to grind. They, they need to win. They need to go ahead and keep this thing rolling, and they need to get some revenge uh, for what happened two years ago up there. There's a lot at stake here. If you don't think that student body is going to have that place rocking and rolling, and it's going to be Rozier's first ACC start as the starter, as the guy at Miami, yeah, you mentioned poise earlier. What a great job he did of, the, of, of exerting his leadership and taking control in the second half. He's going to have to start like that from the very beginning of this game. There's not going to be any 
any time to go ahead and, and get uh, get settled in. He's got to go from the very beginning, Gary. Yep. Hey, it's a big game, and Coach Rick said today that he wasn't happy with the way practice went today. He didn't feel like the offense practiced with any energy at all, and uh, that's going to have to change here as the week goes forward. You know, these guys got to get into this season. Um, they really do. It's you know, it, it's time. I mean, I know it's been a rough month or so with the storm and the interruption and the whole thing, but like, you know, it, it's go time now. And, and these guys need to get themselves amped up for Friday night and go take care of business and then uh, come back eight days later. And I don't think they'll have any trouble getting up for Florida state, but you know, they, they need to get that sense of urgency going. Uh, you mentioned earlier, Gary, that one of the things that's been limiting the impact of Pickney and, and, uh, and his, co- his, his cohorts over there at the linebacker position was the type of formations they're, they're facing. What I've seen a lot from Duke is a lot of uh, two wide receiver, double tight end, and running back. And I've seen, I've seen it three wide receiver sets uh, as well, uh, and a little bit of option. But I think they're going to play a little bit more. They're going to be more involved because of the double tight end situation, which I, it, it's what I saw in film the, their first four games, especially against Baylor and just recently against Carolina. The one yeah, Duke's got I, a couple really first, good running backs too, so they're going to be much more of a threat to run the ball than Toledo was. Yeah, I, I think they're going to be able to, to really take the air out of the ball and, and use as much clock. And unfortunately, that's what killed us last week. The time of possession was horrendous. Um, and, and that's going to be a huge challenge for us. So in, in looking at them being more involved, I hope more big plays will come, that they'll make the big plays if it's against one of their tight ends on a, on a bootleg or something like that. But what scares me, Gary, and, and – the kid doesn't look like he is a great runner, but he's six five, and the kid is able to execute. Kind of reminds me of that quarterback. I mean, he's a much better passer, but running style reminds me of that quarterback Kansas State had a couple years ago when they came down here and beat us and beat us up there in Manhattan. It kind of reminds me of that type of kid. He can run, um, and he's smart, and he's able to go ahead, and he doesn't turn the ball over very much. But what, what surprises me is, when Carolina and Baylor sent a lot of blitz packages over, he tends to short arm it a little bit. He tends to get rid of it a little bit quicker. He gets a little bit of happy feet. So if we're able to hit him early, I think our chances are great. But like you said, it's going to be dictated by the run and his play action. He's smooth as can be with that play action, Gary. He hit, he's hit at least four or five big throws with that play action against Carolina. Uh, that's a big concern, especially when our safeties, if they're starting to cheat up and, and if our second – our second rotations in the game, uh, <laughs> we saw what happened this past week with their ability to read things correctly. Uh, it could be a long day for our secondary. It really can. So I, I'm, I'm hoping. I, I got to think that they're going to tighten the rotation a little bit starting this week. I mean, I, I, I personally think they've been substituting too much. That's a great point. What, what about, Gary, do you think Manny will show more of his blitz packages on Friday yeah, man, he always has blitz packages going. Yeah, he'll, he'll, of course he will. But, you know, the, I've commented on this before. I think what made Manny so effective last year was that he didn't overkill it on the blitz packages. Like he was, you know, earlier in his career, the big knock on Manny was that he was always gambling and he would take himself out of games because, you know, with overkilling the blitzes and stuff, and it was feast or famine. I thought last year he was much more strategic with that. 
And, um, you know, it might have something to do with the fact that he's got better players who he has confidence in. He doesn't feel like he has to take the chances. Maybe he felt like he had to take it at Mississippi State and um, when he was at Texas and, and, and stuff like that. And um, I think that's what made him so effective last year. And I hope he continues that this year and doesn't get too blitz crazy. I love blitzes like everybody else. But if you overdo it, you're going to get caught. I'm just hoping we see more. We we see more packages this week. Uh, we've seen just the basic stuff out of him. Uh, we haven't seen safeties come on in, and we haven't seen corners come. A lot of things that we haven't seen that he's notorious for. Yeah, we'll and, see, man. And, he and, may he may have to simplify things a little bit the way the secondary is, you know, struggling a little bit. That you know may, you know they were they they were leaving receivers uncovered. They were busting coverages. I mean, he may have to he may have to simplify a little bit. We'll see. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about, uh, and I mentioned it earlier about Duke's defense, with the and Gary, they blitz often. They have tons of twists and stunts. Uh, they show they show empty. They show one. Then they come back, go to a cover. They do all kind of things. But everything that they do, man, they execute. They really execute well. Um, Smart kids. I'm I'm really concerned to be honest with you with our offensive line early on. Because uh, we really haven't faced anybody. I've thrown a lot of games up front. Um, and when you have a true freshman up there in right guard, not to say he hasn't held his own, which he has. He's done more than that. And obviously, when you look out there, there's no question he's our best guy, uh, talent-wise, and he has the best future ahead of him. But I'm, I'm a little concerned they might get us early with a couple of games. Uh, and then Rozier might, uh, might throw one away, which was a quick picks, uh, a, a real quick uh, – interception that the kid from Carolina threw. He threw a pick six, I think, uh, with like six minutes left, and they had just taken the lead, and, and he, he got caught in the game, and the center and guard didn't communicate, and he, he rushed a throw, and it was six the other way. So I'm hoping hoping our guys do well up front, and they're ready for what's coming because there's, there's a lot They're of practicing it. They're, they're practicing for it. It's, they're not going to be caught off guard, that's for sure. Uh, they know how Duke plays defense. They know the stunts. They've, they've got years of tape on them. And they're out there practicing it right you know, right now, getting ready for the game. So um, if they do a good job preparing, I think they'll be fine. Uh, in terms of recruiting, Gary, any, any updates that you have or anything that's come about or come your way in the last, in the last week that's either upsetting you or it's making you feel good about things right now with their – our future class is coming in as early as I guess they'll be signing in December. Any news on that front? Uh, no, it's 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 been kind of quiet as it always is in in you know the early part of the season. I mean, kids that are going to commit have usually committed by now. Now they're going through their season. Uh, you know, we're hearing whispers that things are looking pretty good with Tyson Campbell. Uh, that's something to be excited about. He's obviously one of the big priorities left in recruiting, but. Uh, there's not a ton going on right now. Yeah, your thoughts on if, if Tyson just does commit, does Joe go elsewhere? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't see why that would be the case. I would think they would be excited to play with each other. And they're both elite recruits. And if you're an elite recruit, you, you, you should expect to be on the field. And I don't think you should be scared off because another elite recruit comes. You know, to, to me, it's a, it's, it's, it's a positive. So we'll see. All right, let me let other people get on. Thank, Thank you, as you, always, for, for calling in and being being part of the show. Go Canes, baby. You got it. 
All right, uh, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633 is the number. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. And let's go now out to the 706. 706, you're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's up, Gary? This is Sebastian from GA. How you doing? Hey, what's up, Sebastian? What you got? Hey, man, you, you I mean, you just, you really hit on a lot of stuff I wanted to talk about. I mean... One of the things I wanted to point out and nobody said anything is one of the things we need to, as Canes fans, pay attention to is the way the team was able to fight back from being down at the half. That's yep. not something I take for granted. I mean, I remember doing the Al Golden Age, and I told you, I said, one of the things that I could never see from this coaching staff, because I told you you need a championship coaching staff, is being a, being able to make adjustments at the half and being able to win a game after being down from the half. Well, you know, you know, Sebastian, we were here last week on this show, and one of the things I remember saying was that I really liked about this Toledo game was that Toledo was going to challenge the defense and that it was going to challenge oh, yeah. the Hurricanes and that they were going to have to do something. It wasn't going to be your typical throwaway early season blowout game. And I totally agree with what you're saying right now. Um, I think the fact that they had to go through – all of that last week was a great uh, toughener or hardener, whatever you want to call it, for now embarking on the meat of the season. I, I, I totally agree. You know, I've been telling you, I said, we needed a championship coaching staff. And that's when they and, – and a championship coaching staff, is as much as I dislike Florida State, you can see Jimbo make adjustments from the first half to the second half on what he wants to do offensively. And that's what I was able to see with the – uh, this particular week, I, I'm grateful that Mark Walton didn't get hurt, but I like the toughness that Travis Homer kind of displayed, and I just like the overall resiliency of the team. And here's what I mean with that: if you remember that hitch route that uh, Braxton Barris caught, I mean he knew he had the first down, but he was like, "I need to make a play." And um, we got to give Braxton some credit, man. I mean he's not the biggest, he's not the fastest. But he's just one of those players that has really produced inside the program. Now, we got a lot of duds that was on the team that we can't say that about. But if you look at the overall team, we can look at a lot of the players and see their growth, see their development. We can see a Michael Irvin know how to, you know, hold up on a block, get out in the passing lane, and be able to produce. We can see Travis Homer, instead of just catching the ball, going straight down, but actually fighting – for tough yards. So I'm just really kind of encouraged by the resiliency I see from this team. I don't think we have it all the way there. But, I mean, it's the second game of the season. I mean, it was a long layoff. I think there's rooms for improvement. But I don't see regression. What I mean by regression, I don't see the offensive lineman just kind of – offensive line kind of falling apart, you know. I'd like to see more from the defensive line. Um in regards to pressure or whatnot, but I'm just really encouraged how they fought back after being down during the first half because I was just like, can they get a stop? You know, can they come together? And uh, I don't know if that's something that you saw during this past game. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I think that uh, that we did see it at times. Maybe not as much as we all would have wanted to see it, but I think we saw it at times. Okay. Now, I, I need to get your insight on some other players on the team. Like, 
I mean, D-Jack, I guess he was hurt. That's why he didn't play. I mean, they really yep. didn't say much about it. But, uh, like, Scott Patchen, I guess they just reserved. They just moved him over to the offensive he's, side of the ball. He's, uh, yeah, he's probably number three tight end now. Okay. so I, I like how he looks uh, at tight end. I just don't know. He's one of these guys. I just don't know if he's ever going to play. <laughs> it's, you know, he's kind of stuck between all these different positions and it, it, you know, I'm I'm a little worried right now seeing DJ Dallas kind of be in that kind of situation. And, you know, he, Scott just doesn't seem to have a home, you know. He got, he got, over, he got over there too late because if he had gotten there earlier, I think he would have beaten out Michael Irvin. I just wish, that, you know, the thing I'm thinking of is, man, I wish he had another red shirt because we could definitely, you know, utilize the depth on the team and see the progress. I want to transition over to the secondary side of the ball. And I agree with you. When I watch D. Delaney, I'm just like, dude, I think it's a big communication thing in the secondary and basically kind of knowing what needs to happen and what needs to be done. And I don't think talent alone fixes that. I think playing together fixes And um, when you talk about the two safeties that we lost, or the, pretty much the – real senior secondary that we lost last year. I think that's what we're really experiencing. The thing that I think is that's good going for us is none of those guys are injured. And, you know, we have a little bit of depth there. We don't have – I mean, we don't have the talent there, but we have some depth there that if they continue to play together, I'm, I'm, I'd like to believe that they'll get better as the season kind of come along. Um, and the team they that better. we're getting ready to – well, they better because the teams that we're getting ready to face in the next couple of weeks, they're going to be able to do that. I haven't seen teams feel like they can just kind of run on us. I think the run defense has pretty been, been pretty stout. But, you know, we haven't had any injuries, and we haven't had a game where it really stretched out into the fourth quarter that's really challenged us in that area. I don't know if you want to speak on that, but those are two things I have not witnessed from our team just yet. No, I, I mean, you're right. And, you know, that's always a concern until you actually go through all those experiences. But you can't go through every experience in the first two weeks, especially when you're playing Bethune-Cookman and Toledo. And um, I felt like the way the Toledo game played out, that they got a lot out of that game. And, and uh, I think it'll help them Friday night. I think they did. They definitely worked out secondary. I mean, they got a lot of experience in that particular area. The last yeah, those guys got a good on, workout. I want to talk about what's on the recruiting front. So I hear that Severa, he's, he's completely committed, but he's not going to probably sign in December. Um, I know Josh Jones and uh, Ivory and um, who's the other kid? Uh, Frierson, they were all together last weekend because I guess Joe was in town. So they seem like they're really, really working that relationship to kind of keep him into the fold. I don't think they're kind of overworking. I think he's just going to be a kid that's just going to require so much attention to make sure he makes it all the way to the very, very end. I would hate for him. I would hate to see he not end up in Miami because it really seems like the coaching staff is really, really, really recruiting him very, very hard. Um, And I really believe if he makes it into this class, I mean, that's definitely an infusion of talent that's going to be able to make it in there. The last point I wanted to make is I'm pretty impressed with what I've seen from the wide receiver core minus Amon Richardson. And here's what I mean by that. I mean, Dale Harris 
I mean, he looked pretty serviceable. And what I saw first week, I mean, he didn't look too bad. And a couple of catches that you know, Mike Harley made and the wonderful catch that Braxton Burials made in the end zone. I'm like, these kids came to ball. And yeah, you're seeing the coaching of Ron Dugan, I, I, I think. And I, I, earlier in the show, I mentioned the work that Thomas Brown was doing with the running backs. And I think you could say the exact yeah. same thing for what Ron Dugans is doing with the receivers. When you see a position group like that where every single guy in the group is playing well, and making a contribution to the team, that's when you know that that's a well-coached group, and, and, uh, and they are, and you're absolutely right. They're, they, you know, I, I love the, the little things that you see, the, the, the way they, they learn to, they've learned to use their bodies and um, you know, to position themselves to make catches, the way they catch a ball and make their move without hesitation in, in, in a very right. quick, sudden, singular motion that allows them to make plays like what Braxton Berrios did in the game the other day. And, um, you know, you're you're absolutely right. Mad mad impressed. The the number one place you see it, where a lot of people don't think it's all that sexy, is the blocking downfield. I'm telling you, anytime you see receivers that are going all out and blocking downfield, I'm telling you, you have a disciplined football team that's contributing to the overall goal. Tell you exactly where you see it, and I'll let you go. Just put me on hold. No, no when, doubt, um, no doubt. Um, how about the play when Rozier scored on the bootleg, the, the, the 20 yards right. downfield, Lawrence Cager, he, I mean, he was just taking out that defensive back. I mean, that's, it just drove the guy right off the field. The guy had no chance to make a play. He wasn't even on the field anymore. And so, you know, like I said, you know, you know, a lot of times you had these sessions where we – it's like therapy. This ain't one of those therapy sessions. But, no, we're not. Well, hopefully, I, we won't be doing a lot of therapy this year. But when the, I, but when that long run that Mark, Mark Walton broke on, this was early in the game, and it just raises everybody's level of confidence. Is when I saw Mullins really, really block heavily downfield. If you look at that eighty-yard run that he made, if you look at that right-hand side, you'll see uh, Mullins blocking downfield. And I'm telling you. All I got to say is I'm not saying, hey, you know, we're going to have a championship at the end of the year. I'm just saying when you see that character inside a football team, you really got a good football team. I mean, they may not do all the sexy stuff that we want week after week, but they seems like damn sure they're trying hard, you know, and um, I'm pretty encouraged about that. Keep me on hold, Gary. Just remember I told you that it all rides on Florida State. If we take Florida State out, well, let's worry about Florida State things. next week. Seriously, I we mean, this, the, the Friday night, it, it, Friday night first. It, it, Friday night's a big game, but I just want to remember. I want to put my line in the sand, saying if we make it through these next couple of games and we take off Florida State, there's one or two kids that's not going to end up in Tallahassee, and that's when the tide begins to turn. Keep me on hold, and we'll just continue. We'll just continue this conversation in the next couple of weeks, but. It's going to be a fight in Duke. It's going to be a fight in Durham. It's going to be, it's, right, it's so going to be a fight. But, oh, Thanks for being part of the show, man. Have a good night. All right, guys, quick programming note while he's mentioning the Florida State game. Kane Sport Live next week is going to be on Wednesday night instead of Tuesday night. I apologize for that. Um, something came up. Got to take care of some other business on Tuesday night. So um, our show next week will be on Wednesday night. I'll be reminding you of that on Twitter and on the message boards, but uh, Kane Sport Live next week, pre-Florida State show, will be on Wednesday night. 
All right, the number 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. Hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go down now to the 305. You're live on Cape Sport Live. What's up, Gary? Johnny O from Bird Road. Hey, what's going on, man? I was driving on Bird Road earlier today. <laughs> you always say I that. Should have come on over for lunch, huh? <laughs> Listen, who is Murph Baldwin? I mean, I love his analysis. He's our analyst. Yeah, he does a good job. Does a good job. Is he is he exclusive for to to us? Um, he, no, I um, mean he's doing um he's doing some stuff for the um the USC site as well. But um oh. but yeah, no, he's a he's a, he's, he's he you know, writes for us every week and uh is doing a nice job. Well, man, beautiful to have an uh, you know, a, a fresh set of eyes and uh, yep. uh you know, a fresh mind, you know, uh, well, it's, it's a great thing, you know. Yeah, and he understands now, uh, who, the football, which is good. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Um, what's up with uh, out, 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 out of, out of the huddle, out of the huddle guys? Uh, they're promoting their site all over. You know, got to pay a subscription and all I, that. I, Have I you know, talked man. to anybody of these people? No, I don't. I do whatever. I don't want to talk about that. What else you got? Oh, okay. No, you know, because <laughs> yeah. You got to pay here, you know, pay there. You know, I was just wondering what's going on. Well, I mean, um, I, the one thing I'll say is, you know, yeah, you got to pay for our site, and I get it, but I, I hope that we give you guys your money's worth and then some. I mean, I, I know oh, one yeah. thing. We got, a, we got a team of guys that are working their butts off every single day, morning till night, to keep you guys on top of everything and give you guys tons of content oh, yeah. and everything else. So, yeah, I yeah. mean, they, they got families to support. <laughs> and and, yeah. and, and yeah. trust me, yeah. like you say you like Murph. I'd love to be able to do much more with Murph and stuff like that. But, you know, that's all right. tied to number of subscribers and budgets and things like that. But, you know, I, I hope we give you guys your your $8.33 a month worth. I think of we course, do. Of course, of course. Big time. But you guys are not going to, I mean, you know, we're all family. You know, you guys are not going to support each other. You know, no, you know. Uh, I yeah, I just don't like to talk about what other people are doing. It's not, you know, who? it's not my business. You know, it's, it's you know, I, I, I worry about what we're doing. Yeah. All right. That's good. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, well, I can't think of, of what I was going to say, man. All right. So I let other well, people get on here. Re, yeah, regather your thoughts and uh, give us a holler next week. All right, Johnny. Uh, yeah, put me on hold. Thanks, Gary. Take you, care. You got it. Bye bye. Let's go to the seven seven five. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Yeah, hi, Gary. It's Jordan Mizia. Uh, you know. Hey, what's uh, I have a couple of observations and uh, and a question. First of all, the kicker. Uh, one of your callers was concerned about the roughing kicker. The kicker was out of that punt zone. Uh, I'm not too. I'm a little vague on that. I was wondering if you had some input on to what the uh, what the officials were referring to when they said that the uh, yeah. he was he was he was roughed uh, for sure. You know, that's but a great question. You know, zone. I don't know where they draw the line on that, and I'll try to research that. You know, I I, I really don't know off the top of my head, but um, I believe that if a, if a kicker runs you know to a certain 
point, I guess, if he's going side, you know, forward and sideways like that. I mean, there has to be at some point in the equation where the defense can consider him a live runner, a runner. like yeah, you know, just common, just on base, just on pure common sense, you know. So um, yeah, because but, I, it seemed like there was a um, sort of like a passer, you know. He, uh, you know, there's a there's a loose definition as to what what could be out of the pocket is, you know. So if you're maybe yeah. five yards to the right and you throw it away, it's not, it's a, you know, it's a different situation. And I guess that. Uh, I don't know, but um, but it's very interesting what you find out. The the uh, there must be a, a, a radius of about five yards on either side of him, which is considered a kicking zone. Once he's out of that, I mean, it does look like a run. Then he does that side kick, you know. So that was the explanation they gave, and uh, I don't know if the the the, uh, the you mind you play knew that or not, but I I never heard that before. I was just curious about it. Well. Here, here's, here's the idea. Here's the idea behind it from the kicking team's point of view. Okay, um, or at least in certain cases, when the when the punter starts running like that, he's sizing up the defenders too. And it, and if, if the defenders are moving back too quickly and leave him a lane, he could just tuck it and run. Um, gotcha. You know, or he can you know go ahead and punt it. And, and uh, the extra time, I think they feel helps with field field position and things like that. So that's why I think you see teams do it. But your question of where exactly the line is for the defense is a very good question that I don't know the answer to. Yeah. Okay. The next question, uh, and I'm sorry, it's just an observation. Uh, I was disappointed in Delaney at the, in the first half, uh, especially when he got turned around once. I thought that was should have swung his hips around. But but I noticed in the second half uh, he was he played much better especially when uh, when uh, we got that coverage sack at a very key time um, in the game. And I think it was the fourth quarter or early fourth quarter. Uh, we got a coverage sack, and, and, and I watched the replay, and I played it back a couple of times. He he absolutely was, uh, caused that sack because he had this uh, fella that was flying down the sidelines, and he covered him like a glove. So I was, you know, that, that gave me some confidence in him in the sense that, I felt that uh, if he's capable of doing that once, he can do it often. And, and you know, I think once he gets his confidence back, I'm sure, pretty sure it must be pretty shaken by now. But once he gets his confidence back, uh, I, I think we're going to be fine with him. Yeah, I, then, I don't uh, disagree. I don't, I don't think he's hopeless by any stretch of the imagination. No, that coverage sack was, uh, was a thing of beauty in my opinion. You know? But my, next, uh, my final point is why I'm not a point of question. Um, you've often uh, stated, uh, uh, you know, uh, how we matched up, and that's important for me because I, I like to bet games. And also, as a former player, I I know coverage is really important. We spend a lot of time on on not coverage, but on on matchups. And I was wondering if you had a chance to look at this game coming up, and how you feel about how we match up with our strengths and our weaknesses relative to their strengths and weaknesses. Okay, um, before I answer that question, I do want to tell you I just found the rule, which is rule 914A5B. The kicker's uh-huh. protection ends when he carries the ball outside the tackle box before kicking. So there's the answer to your That's question. Once he's, out, yeah, once he's outside the rectangular area of the, kick, of the tackle box, he's fair game. And um, my guess great. is that's what they were claiming with Michael Jackson because he clearly hit that guy yeah. outside the, oh, yeah. the 
outside the yeah. square box. All right, so that's the interesting. Yeah. Now, yeah. Friday night's game, the matchups. Um, if I'm Duke with the type of offense they run, I, I'm feeling like I have a decent chance to do things against this Miami defense because of the way the secondary is played. And um, so, you know, I, I, I think the secondary has to play better. I, I think that, that Duke's offense is, is, is perfectly constructed to attack the weaknesses that they have on the Miami defense. So, um, you know, I, I think that, that that's an issue for the Hurricanes, you know, in preparing for this game. Uh, I don't think they'll be able to, you know, I mean, they, they may or may not survive it, but if the secondary doesn't play a lot better, uh, it's going to it's gonna make for a very difficult game up there because um, this, this team has more speed or as much or more speed as any Duke team I've seen based on what I've seen on film. Um, I do think mm-hmm. the Miami offense should be able to do things against their defense. I don't think their secondary is very good. Um, I think Miami is going to be able to throw the ball quite a bit and, and score a lot of points. You know, you don't want to get into a, a shootout up there. And, uh, and I think Duke's offense is very capable and it's very well coached and they're very well schooled and smart kids. And um, they're going to need to get a better, better day out of the, um, out of the secondary for sure. Yeah, that's helpful. Uh, one thing I did notice, I uh, watched the uh, replay of the Duke uh, game against North Carolina, and they, uh, I, I assume they'll change uh, uh, change the strategy in the defensive back area against us because they were playing a lot of man-on-man. And I think mm-hmm. if they do, uh, we, we, we will torch them, you know, if uh, based on uh, – especially if Richards gets back. So I, I I I question whether or not they'll do that because they were they played basically man to man throughout the game uh, against North Carolina. I guess they didn't have much confidence in their wide receivers, but I think we'll put up a lot of points if uh, if they use that strategy. Uh, you know, assuming our defense our line can block their. Uh, the defense give him as much time as we had against Toledo. You know? Yeah, I'm not Any worried about that, that matchup at all. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not worried about the matchup at the line of scrimmage. I, I to me, it, it's it's you know really just will our defensive backs play well enough to keep Duke from turning it into a shootout? Because I think Miami's going to score yeah. points. Yeah, and if we can uh, if we can improve a little bit on the defensive back area, I totally agree with you, and we'll cover easily. But anyway, thank you, Gary. Appreciate it. Thank you. All righty, anytime. Thanks for being part of the show. 563-999-3633. Hit one on your keypad if you want to come on like George just did. Let's go to the two uh let's go to the two oh five. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Slaughter returns. Where you been? <laughs> man, I've been traveling the world, man. I just uh moved to Atlanta, man. How you been? This is your first call this year, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been I've been off the scene for a while, man. All right, uh, well, I'm going to shut uh, up and let you talk. What you got, man? What do you think? <laughs> what do you do you like what you see so far? Actually, I do. Um, for a word and a little bit too much, they're not understanding how how much that layoff has, you know, got the kids rusty. Um, and they got to understand that a lot of teams are four games in. And they worked out all the kinks, and Miami is getting to that point. Um, and I will actually be at the Duke game this um, Friday, and I'm looking for us to kind of – I'm looking for us to run that way with the game. I'm I'm thinking it's going to be like a 31-13 game, honestly. Um, I think we 
I think you haven't really seen the D line be uh, you know do much because we you know Toledo and um, Bethune Cookman did a lot of quick passes. They knew to get the ball quick. You know a lot of gimmick offense. You know they playing five wide. They getting the ball out quick, so you're not gonna have a lot of sacks, a lot of you know a lot of tackle yard for loss because they're getting the ball out so quick. So of course your D line is gonna be a ineffective because a lot of teams play Alabama like that. Not saying we Alabama, but when you know you're playing a good front seven, you get the ball out quick, so they're ineffective, and you put a lot of stress on the secondary. Um, I think they just got to get that win. The secondary got to get the win. And I think the Delaney kid, uh, he'll, he'll be good by the, by the time we play Florida State. Uh, so, I mean, but other than that, man, I'm just – I'm happy what I see from Walter. Um, I really think he's he's probably one of the best running backs. We I think he's – to me, he's better. I was a big Duke Johnson fan. I think he's better than Duke. And I think he's better than Lamar Miller, honestly. That kid is special. Mm-hmm. Um and I just love to see him run, man. And that offensive line is playing great, playing great. Great instincts. And and what I what I, what amazes me about him is how quickly he finds the hole and just and goes, man. Like he accelerates in that first, like say three, four, five yards as well as anybody. And um, he, you know, he doesn't have that second gear, which would make him just absolutely elite. But um, but he's pretty darn good, and I agree with you. Yeah, but but that's the thing. A lot of people don't understand. You don't have to have you know just to be a great runner. I mean, I mean, what Emmett Smith was a four six guy. You know, you just got to be able to find that holes, and he got to have great vision to be a, a elite back, and that's what he's shown. He doesn't yeah. he doesn't dance around. He's the one. He's no. gonna make his cut. And he's gonna get upfield. He has a great stiff arm. He blocks well. He plays special teams. You know, that's the type of that's the type of kid that'll change a program. He's our cook, and I think he's going to be the difference in the Florida State game because, honestly, Florida State running backs, both of their backs are not better than Walter. I think oh, Walter God, over no. Akers and Patrick. <laughs> no comparison. No, I totally agree. Pa- <laughs> Patrick isn't even in the same stratosphere, and Akers looks like he's a pretty good little back, but no, he's not Mark Walton, not at this point. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, we got to give that, that offensive line culture um, a round of applause, though, because they're they, they night and day right now. Um, from where they was last year. You don't see mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, holding calls. You don't see a lot of penalties from them. Um, but, you know, I think Coach them still are not really showing a lot. I think we're going to see a lot of – we're going to see once we get into this game, we're going to see a lot more quick screens to um, to to, um, to Harley and, and Jeff. We're going to get them the ball quick. And we're going to really see Coach open up the um, offense because he knows it's ACC play. So, just guys, y'all just hold down and – you know, don't be too critical of Coach Diaz because I'm pretty sure he ain't brought out everything. You know, because he, you know, D Jack ain't hasn't played, so that's one of his bear pals as well. So, you know, we 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 we, we okay, we okay. <laughs> I'll be having to tell Uki that all the time. He called me, man. He'd be panicking like, "Look, man, you got to give these guys time. We we two games in." So, but man, I don't want to hold it up a lot. I know somebody else want to get on, man, but I had to get on at least one time this season, man. And, and I'll be staying at the at the um at the little hotel close to the stadium, man. Um, so hopefully I see you pregame. I get you know talk to you for a little bit, Gary. Yeah, I'll be out there. I'll be out there early. So yeah, we'll see you Friday night. All right, Slaughter. Thanks for being part of the show, and uh, don't be shy, man. Call in every week like you used to. I got you. I got you. I got you. Just keep me on um, mute. You got it. All right, let's go out to the 864. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, this is G. How you doing? Hey, what's up, G? What you got? 
Call, I'm calling you from South Carolina, man. Uh, I got a few things actually. I've been taking some notes a little bit, but I had the first two things I wrote down was um, the hammer. I never seen it before. So, where did it come from? Do you did do you know they was going to have that? I mean, I I heard nothing about it. So, the hammer? Yeah, the hammer they came out with in the smoke that that Amon uh, Mari Carter was carrying. Oh, okay. Um, I. I don't really have much to say about that. I I, I don't know that much about it or whatever. So Please I don't really know. Come up with it. I thought that I thought that was pretty cool, man. Because I was like, yeah, it was a big sledgehammer. Yeah, <laughs> they got the and the side of it. They got they got the chain. They got the hammer. They, yeah, you know, I know, listen, man. I, I like listen, the hammer more. Works, I do the chain. You know? Whatever. Yeah, I like the hammer more. I do the chain. Yeah. Now I just another thing. The turnover chain. I mean. He didn't cause the turnover, though, really. He just scooped it up. I mean, he was already calling for the ball. I felt like that was kind of stupid, but, you know, <laughs> that's just me. It was, man. I mean, he didn't have to do that. You know, they need to figure out who's actually going to get it, the guy causing the fumble, the guy picking it up or what. I can see if you get a pick. You know, if you got a pick, yeah, you get it. But that was kind of – I don't know. I know he was excited. They was, they was hyped up, but – Maybe you should write up some protocol and send it in, and we'll uh, we'll get it. I know, know, man. Rick, Rick, he, he, I know he had to say something about that, you know. <laughs> but I like the hammer, though. I do. I, I really like that. They need to. They need to really. Somebody needs to carry it on their shoulder and walk out slow. That'd be cool. Um, I guess my next topic was the um, D line and the defense as a whole. Um, one thing I noticed, and this was. This was something that kind of bothered me after the first game. And, um, you know, I had said on the board, I just didn't really see any carryover from last season. I thought we would have some. I didn't see a lot of intensity in that in that butane Cookman game, I thought. But I thought we would have. You know, I felt like they were would have been hyped up coming into the season, you know, knowing that we got a chance to make a run and to get to Charlotte. And I, I, just, I just didn't feel like I saw it in that game. But in the Toledo game <clears> – <throat> You know, I saw a team. I feel like the kids. I see a bunch of kids on the team that want to play for the for the Hurricanes. You know, I I really do think that. And I mean, they are making mistakes and they were struggling, but them guys fall back, and uh, I think we're gonna be all right there. I do. I I know the defensive line's been. Um, you know, they haven't been as effective as we want them to be, but you know, we faced two teams that's that's been uh, playing toward our weakness. But sooner or later, you know, it's gonna catch up. We'll, we'll catch up. You know we will, and um, I think it, I think they'll start to be they'll be more effective this coming Friday. I do. I see it happening, and um, especially late in the game, that's when they really started getting pressure. You know they got more pressure in the third and fourth quarter than they did you know in the first and second. So that's that's a good thing. Well, I I think the quarterback was holding the ball a little longer because you know they you know they had to try to score a little quicker and stuff like that. So that created yeah, some I, opportunities. But yeah, I think they'll have more opportunities this week a little bit. I noticed too. It was kind of weird because you know Toledo. It looked like they they got tired, you know, in in, a, in an aspect because I, I remember I was texting a friend of mine during the game. He was at a race. He couldn't watch it, and I was telling him everything was going on. But I remember it, it was you know halfway through the third quarter. You, Toledo slowed down too. They did. Yeah, they had nothing left. They, they, by that by yeah, that point in the game, they had nothing left. Yeah, they had run out of gas. I mean, it, it was obvious. Um, next topic is Rozier and that third and eighteen strike across the field hey i was like my eyes just got big i was like where did that come from because that it was it was a strike 
I mean, I got to give him respect for that. It, it, it was, was a great hell of a throw. It was. It was from one side of the field to the other, too. I mean, that was kind of – that was something you seen Kaya do. I seen, remember when he did that at App State, he threw that pass to Barrios, and I was at that game. And the whole – I mean, it was right in front of the, the coaches, and they were just like, I mean, ain't nothing you can do with that. When somebody's on the other side of the field and throws a – you know, really it's almost like a 40-yard pass, but it's only like for maybe 10 yards down the field, but you can't cover that. I mean, it's ridiculous. But that was a good pass, and we needed that, too. It surprised me. Um, the rushes he had, I really liked them. Um, I'm glad that that, that um, Rick, you know, he he, caught, he really, you know, started calling those plays in the, the passing game. And I think that had an effect on their coaching staff as well because he come out in the second half and was like, you've been throwing on me all day. Well, now we're going to throw on you. And – he, he, I give, I give Rick respect for that because he could have stuck to the run game if he wanted to, but he come out slinging it, and he, he got Rozier dialed in, and that opened up his his couple of touchdowns he had. Well, one was called back, and then um, my other topic is uh, the FSU wide receiver that hurt his shoulder. Was he was he one of their? Um, I, from what I had read, they they didn't really have much coming back anyway, and like you know, as far as their wide receivers went. But the one guy, I think he was going to be pretty productive this year. He hurt his shoulder. What's his name? Uh, I I don't remember his name, um, but I know he walked off. He was holding his wrist in the game, but a guy here at work, he's an FSU fan, and he said he was holding his shoulder. It was his shoulder that was actually hurt, so I think he might be out. Um, He said he was hurt pretty good. So, I mean, that's one thing that, you know, I think he was one of their more supposed to be one of their more productive seniors. I think he was a junior Mm -hmm. uh, or senior or junior one. but yeah, um, I mean, I really like I like the way they 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 played. I mean, it they turned it around. But I, I think this Friday we, we're gonna see a different team. They, mm-hmm. They'll start to put it together even more. I do. <clears throat> and um, that's all I got. I appreciate you. Uh, you know, let me call in and talk to you. All right, G. Go Kings, Thanks for being, thank you for being part of the show. All right, guys. Now would be a great moment for me to take a little bit of a pause and tell you about a company that's been a sponsor of Kane Sport Live for a long time, and that's Movement Watches. It's spelled M-V-M-T. They were founded on the belief that style should not break the bank, and uh, you've heard me talk about the company started by two broke college kids. They wanted to wear stylish watches. They brought you stylish sunglasses earlier this season. Well, now they're back with a new lineup of watches and to, to help people like themselves who couldn't afford those fancy, expensive watches that you see out there in all the stores. And um, they've sold now over a million watches to customers in 160-plus countries around the, around the world and have solidified themselves at MVMT.com as the world's fastest-growing watch company. And um, – Ever since I got mine last year, I've gotten a ton of compliments on it. People, people love the, the worksmanship and the styling, and it really does. It looks like a watch. You know, their watches sell in the ballpark, you know, of, of, of 100 bucks or so, give or take, depending on the design. They start at just $95, and they look like watches that you might pay three, four, five hundred dollars $500 for at a department store, maybe even more. And um, Movement figured out that by selling online, they were able to cut out the middleman and the retail markup, and that allows them to provide you 
with the best possible price. They have a classic design, quality construction, and styled minimalism, and over a million watches sold, like I said, in over 160 countries. And if people are buying them all over the world, you know they're good. So we got together with Movement, and they put together a special deal for our listeners on Kane Sport Live and our members at canesport.com. And you can get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to MV mt.com slash canesport and uh, this watch has a really clean design um seriously i've been getting tons of compliments ever since i put it on so now is the time to step up your watch game go to mvmt.com slash canesport get yourself a new watch and join the movement and like i said you'll get 15 percent off today with free shipping and free returns Thank you to Movement for setting up that deal for our listeners at Kane Sport Live. All right, let's get back to your calls. The number 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. And let's go out now to the uh, – let's see here. The, let's go to the 239. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's up, Gary? Doing good. Who's this? This is Joe from Fort Myers. What's up, Joe? What you got for us this evening? Well, I'm not going to beat a dead horse. I'm actually going to give him one one lashing. Uh, D. Delaney, <laughs> I don't think he's got what it takes, man. I think he's... Uh, I just... I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sold on the kid. Um uh, Another caller mentioned how they picked on him all day, and I have to agree. Well, he he hasn't shown you what you were looking for. I agree totally. Uh, You know how I feel about it. I I went out on the. I called. I called his acquisition the move that saved the season because I think that without him out there, that that cornerback position would be an absolute disaster. That you know, nowhere near enough depth, nowhere near enough quality, and uh, you know, I felt that him coming in gave them a, a, a fifth-year kid who had had maturity, who had played a lot of football, who was a bigger corner, who could play physical, which is what we saw when we watched this film, and uh, would really help you know bring some stability to the secondary. And uh, what we've instead seen is is a guy that's gotten beat a lot, and I, I, it's not like he's getting beat every play, but because he's getting beat just enough. That's where everybody's focus is, and he's been made to look really, really bad at times. He's getting spun around by receivers. You know, like I said earlier in the show, like the thing that I see is I, I think he just needs to be get back to being a physical big corner and, and stop allowing these receivers to just do whatever they want against him and, and, and putting him in a defensive position. And uh, I think if he can start doing that a little bit more, then he'll start being more effective. He, he's got the ability to be – a quality quarter. I mean, the NFL had him rated as a fourth round draft pick coming out of last season at the Citadel. And he came here because he felt he could do better than that. And um, obviously somebody gave him the feeling that he could, and and that was his strategy. And the other thing I pointed out is maybe he's just putting too much pressure on himself and he's playing stiff out there. So let's just hope it gets better. It needs to. You know, I, I I agree. I drank the Kool-Aid as well. You know, with Col- Colbert last year, 
um, now in the NFL with the 49ers, uh, you know, senior, like you mentioned, seemed like a perfect storm, the leadership and all that. And, and you know, I heard you a couple of weeks ago, and that's what you said, how it saved the season. And I, I drank the Kool-Aid, it, but uh, we'll give him a couple more weeks. I don't think we have, we have a choice. Uh, I mean, I, but I'm imagine so if they didn't general. have him. Imagine if they didn't have him, Joe. I mean, think about what you what would be going on out there if they didn't have him. Well, we'll we would have less depth, but Bandy did a great job. Um, number twelve. Bandy's doing a good job for a few plays. He's not, he, you know, he 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 may be, you know, he's he may 80, be playing 10, play game, 10 yeah. 15, 20 snaps at, in an eighty snap ball game. I mean, you know, there's a big difference. I, I mean, I'm I don't have the play count. I bet you D Delaney was out there for sixty five plays. Okay. All right. All right. So enough about that. You got me there. But uh, just disappointed. I was so high on him. I thought he saved the season, and it was a little bit of a letdown. And they went right after him, and they kept on him, and they didn't stop. But uh, but anyway, a um, couple of things I want to talk about. Um, I called the vanilla offense last week. Um, you know, I was worried about Mark Rick and his play calling and so forth. And, you know, play, Mark Rick is not in his persona to, to you know, keep the uh, – the foot on somebody's throat. He's not a, you know, Sparrier that's going to enjoy scoring 66, 70 points. Um, he would rather just, you know, win by a couple of touchdowns and just be consistent, run the ball, in, you know, 50-50 pass ratio to run. Um, but I don't have, you know, I heard some boos at the game, you know, and, 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 and I was torn because I understood why they were booing, but I was pissed off that they were booing at my Kings. And, you know, these were people with, you know, with, with the same colors. So still concerned about the offense. Uh, you know, we played Toledo, and that quarterback was no slouch. He was a great quarterback. He took a bunch of hits, too. Granted, we didn't get that many sacks. Um, but, uh, you know, our, our guys are, are playing with, with just passion and character, and they're flying around. And, and what I think is saving us is our physicality and ability, uh, meaning running and the speed that we have. Uh, one of the things I want to mention, I want to question you about, did we return any punts, or did Berrios just fair caught every single punt? Yeah, Am no, I mistaken in no, thinking that? There were no punt returns. No yards, correct? Nope. Okay. That's a, that, they punted, that, that, they punted seven times. <laughs> and now one yard return. No, he was pretty. He was getting a lot of hang time. He didn't. He didn't kick it a long way either. Like his average was thirty-seven yards. That punter, and okay. uh, they really didn't have a lot of opportunity to to return punts. Trust me, Barrios wants to do it. <laughs> but oh, he played a phenomenal game. I'm so glad he broke a hundred. So that that first time in his career, I understand too. So that you know, kudos to the kid. Go ahead. I don't know. I was just wondering if you want to comment and so forth. Oh, no, I, yeah, I, loved, things... I love Berrios. I loved him since he was in high school, and I met him at the Under Armour game, and, and I saw how good of a player he was going to be. I think, he, I think he's been underutilized here. I think he, if he were in, like, North Carolina or somewhere like that, you know, I think they'd be feeding him the ball like crazy. I'm, so I'm glad that he's, you know, getting a chance to do something out there. Good, good. And then uh, Homer. Homer's been consistent. He has a little extra. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if he's faster just physically off the forty, but he's. Uh, he's got. He has a little burst of speed. He's initiating contact. Very impressed with Homer. He's been. You know, really good catching speed. He's been holding on to the ball. So I'm pretty excited. I think the offensive line as well has been doing well. A little disappointed. I know they've been blocking downfield, 
but you didn't really see the separation from, uh, you know, the, the wide receivers. They just seen, and we're talking about Toledo. Granted, you know, they played a great game. It was their Super Bowl. It was the biggest game of their season. I understand all that. Um, a lot of kids from Miami and so forth. But I didn't see the separation that I wanted. The slam pass, you know, Burial broke it off for 50-some yards. And, 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 but uh, if Toledo would have caught all the passes that, that, that were thrown to him and, uh, you know, things, things would have been a little bit, little bit different. I don't think our Kings are 100% back. I think that we're a couple recruiting classes away. So the expectations, we have to be a little more realistic. You know, I would hate to open up with an LSU or an Alabama, for example, in, in 21. So, you know, Kane fans, just chill out uh, where we're heading in the right directions. The kids are playing with swag. Uh, they're running, they're hitting, and they believe in their coaching staff. And they're, they're a unit team. You know, they seem very united. The chain, the bling-bling chain is banging. The other caller mentioned the, the hammer. So, you know, <laughs> love the way yeah, it's a good it's know, a good locker room, going. no doubt. And it's a family atmosphere. All right, big dog. Yep. Well, you know, um, let's let's go, Kings, and uh, let's hope for a victory on Friday. You got it, Joe. Thanks for being part of the show. Just to follow up on a couple things that he just said, he talked about Travis Homer, who, um, as I said earlier in the show, really has performed, I would think, better than most people would expect. Um, I just I get a little ruffled. We got a few guys on the message boards that you know, want to try to say that he's Mark Walton and at that level, he is not. Um, yeah, and I'll use this game as an example. And Travis played very well. He carried the ball eight times, gained 32 yards. He averaged four yards a carry, which is, you know, workmanlike, you know, whatever. But um, caught three passes for 46 yards. But solid production for a backup running back, okay? Mark Walton had 11 carries for 207 yards, averaged 18.5 yards a carry, okay? Now – against the same defense. Okay, that that is beyond the lead. That is just insane production and Mark Walton is a very special talent. Um I think everybody needs to appreciate it cuz I don't think you're going to get to watch him after this year. I think he's going to go pro. Um and he should go pro, but uh you know, make no mistake, the Miami Hurricanes have one elite running back this year, but Travis has done a great job and he's become a very, very solid backup running back. Um, he'll make a huge contribution this year as well, just by being as solid as he is, which allows them to feel comfortable taking Mark off the field when they have to do it. And the other thing I wanted to note was, you know, we keep talking about the secondary and I keep driving home the point of how important I think Dee Delaney is and the fact that he came to Miami. And, like, you know, for example, they had to defend 85 plays last week. And, uh, you know, you're not putting Trajan Bandy out there for 85 plays. It's just not like like the mere thought of that is absurd. And, um, you know, they don't have the numbers. They're light on numbers. And it just helps so much. And I know he's getting beat. And, you know, we've talked about the things that he needs to do better. But to have a fifth-year guy who's mature as an athlete mentally and physically um, to, to have on your defense and put out there when you're in the situation that you are in the secondary where your numbers are down and really your talent is down, let's be honest. I mean, they're plugging all over the place in the secondary. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, if you were going to say who's the best defensive back, you'd probably say Jaquan Johnson. I am far from convinced that he's an every down safety. Uh, and, and I don't know if you noticed, but the coaches started using him a lot more last week in his old role 
in in the nickel roll on on third down where I thought he was very effective last year and they started bringing Robert Knowles in at safety and doing some trying to try some different combinations they're trying to see what where their best shot is and where their best groupings are but uh I just, you know, I know a lot of people are frustrated with Dee Delaney. He's been a big target of the fan base this week. And I, I just, you know, I don't want you guys to just stop appreciating how important that kid is to this team um, with where they are in the secondary this year. And you, you can't have a good defense without getting somewhat of quality secondary play. Um, sometimes a great secondary and great linebackers can cover up for an average defensive line. You can't cover up. Or a, a, an average or bad secondary. And then, you know, you need D. Delaney to play better. I think he can play better. And hopefully he starts showing it to us on Friday night. All right, 563-999-3633. Hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go now to the 678. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Yeah, what's going on? Doing great. Who's this? This is Jackie, man. Hey, what's up, Junkie? How you been? Man, I've been good. I'm just, is this overreaction Tuesday? What's going on, man? Well, you know, I mean, you got to understand. I mean, people were, went 21 days without a football game. I mean, people are like, you know, they're jumping out people of their skin. Are, I mean, I mean, let's be honest. I see. We even making Duke world beaters because they played four cupcakes. That Toledo would have beat every last one of them, and they would have been four and zero, just like Duke, and worshiping and praising them. And they still get fifty put up on them by a team that's just had Irma come through, hadn't played football. Not just that they haven't played football, all right? Because I have family down there still. Uh, what up to last week was without power, like everything in the refrigerator is dead, over with, no AC. And and you still beat a team. You still put fifty two up on this team from Ohio. They didn't even have to go through none of this. You know, just a happy normal life. You know, and they still get a fifty spot put up on them, man, by a team that had that football is wasn't even wasn't even fifth on the list. Um, but you know, it is dope. and it's Miami. So with me, with with that, with that being said, I really don't, you know. Al Golden and, you know, and D'Onofrio, that was something different. I don't really put too much stock in, in Duke. I'm, I'm sure it would be a good game, um, you know, for some part of the game. But then it's just Miami and Duke, Duke-Miami. Then that's when that will take over. And then we'll see what, you know, the, 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 the real team come out. But the thing I wanted to touch on was a couple – I wanted to touch on a couple things. First of all, um, Gary, man, I, I need to be on the payroll, Gary, like – <laughs> the first call of the year, man, who I was telling you about, when you were telling me about Gus Edwards and Joe Yerby, who who did I uh, bring up? I don't remember. I'm, I'm listening. Oh, you don't Ref- remember, huh? Okay. I don't remember. I, I, Ref- Travis, Come on, refresh Travis our memory. Homer. Oh, yeah, Travis Homer. Um, yeah, he's done well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, also, I'm on the, uh, <laughs> I haven't been on the message boards in a couple weeks, man. I want to uh, – uh, quarterback, uh, college football quarterback king, man. I told him about Mark Walsh, and I was like, I said he he's gonna remind us of Willis McGahee, man. And it was questions about his birth, questions about his vision, questions about him being, you know, I I get it. It was Bethune Cookman in Toledo, and he hadn't really played against a top-notch team. Okay, 
that that's yet to be seen. We'll see that in a couple of weeks, but it's just something. It was always something about Mark Walton, man. Even from Booker T, man, when he, you know, he came along in his junior and senior year. I, I watched them when they came up uh, up here to beat Norcross and beat them on TV like fifty-five zip or something like that. And then he went to Virginia and beat a team. Uh, I think that was Josh Sweat team. They beat out. They beat up in Virginia. Um. The thing is with Mark Walton, man, he just you know that we know Dalvin Cook was the first round talent, and and Mark Walton don't bring that that extra the, the red flags that Cook brought with him. But you know this is the next that's the next back from out of South Florida that was going to be that back, and it's his turn now. Um, but the thing with the thing about what Miami this team that we're seeing right now. Um, that that I'm excited about. I'm not taking too much, you know, looking too deep into Delaney and and the secondary and the pass rush and and even questioning Chad Thomas. Like, we played against Bethune and Toledo, and they went four and five wide receivers with spread, um, passing all the time, hurry up offense. Um, That, you're not going to really, I mean, people touched on it earlier, but with a D-lineman, you're not gonna see a whole lot of, uh, you know, pass rushing um, and and being able to get hits on the quarterback all the time. Especially both of those games were in South Florida, so you know, even though they live and play in that all the time, it's still South Florida. It's still what a noon game and, a, and an early three three thirty game. It's is you know suffocating heat. So quick quick hurry-up offenses, man, you're not going to get that. And with D. Delaney being in a spread set with a big cornerback, you're not going to get that many. You have to still have your – be able to see the run, and you can't just be – you can't just lock man up against the, across the board when you have a team that can run and out of the spread. So you, you have to play some sort of zone to be able to have the cornerbacks in the secondary to see the run and see, you know, if somebody break through to be able to make a tackle. So it's easy for us to say, hey, man, D. Delaney looks terrible when he's a big physical corner who likes to play man-to-man going up against spread offenses. So we haven't really seen his value. Um, but at the same time, the work that this team is getting – by being able to play these type of teams, the conditioning they're getting, the gelling that they're getting. Because remember, like, I, um, a man earlier said something about D-Wade going to the Cavs. Remember when they came together, and you talking about Hall of Famers, they were losing to teams they didn't have no business losing to because they didn't have chemistry. You're talking about three, first, three uh, NFL players that left to go out, four NFL players left out our secondary last year. And you have guys just all over the place really, you know, just getting a feel for each other, getting a feel for everything in front of them as well with a pass rush that hadn't hadn't really been able to do much for them because of the type of offenses that we've been playing. So, I mean, I'm not overreacting, you know, like a couple people. I mean, Toledo was okay. Yeah, they came in, they played a good first half, and, then you saw the difference in Toledo and Miami, just like we'll see Friday when Duke come. you know, when we go up to Duke. And, you know, it may be close for a few minutes, and then we'll see Duke and Miami. So I'm not really overreacting. Um, I, I like what I'm seeing from, from Malik. Um, 
we still haven't even seen our biggest weapon on off. Where I said our biggest weapon at wide receiver yet. So, I mean, it's it's a lot left. Like it's so much that we haven't even seen and don't even know about our team yet. You know, we haven't even seen a team take our best shot with our a lot of personnel. So you know, it's a lot going on. Well, Amon will be out there on Friday night, so that's a good thing. Amon, oh, he is playing. It's a definite. He's a it's go. Pretty, it's it's as close to definite as can be. He's back practicing, and they're expecting him to play Friday. Okay. Oh, um, also, I, I, you know, I, I've been giving uh, Barrios hell on the boards, man. You know, I just, I mean, I, I, don't know. I, I never doubted him, but I just, you know, so far, I'm been, I'm impressed. I know that's. I mean, I'm not really impressed. I knew he was talented, but just to great see kid, him, great player. Yeah, he's he he's a phenomenal kid. But to see him, you know, to see him putting together these type of uh, games, like, well, you know, at least Saturday, man, he was big time. Like that was, you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm proud of him. I think when we put him on the field with Richards and Acacia, with Mark Walton. And Chris Herndon, you know, he did his thing yep. this weekend. Man, that's this pretty, offense – It's a pretty good lineup legs, if you go with those guys. I totally legs, agree. Malik, man, with Malik – oh, my God, man. Like, this offense, you're going to have to play with us. and You're going to have to bring it. And I don't think our defense – you know, people are really going to sleep on our defense because they really haven't seen what our defense brings to the table unless you're running that type of offense. Team that we're going to have to beat, they're going to run a variation of the spread like Virginia Tech, but they they want to run the football. They're not going to go five wide and throw the ball with that type of precision like the Toledo quarterback with that guy they well, have up there. They, they might spread it out a little bit, but you're right. They want to run the ball. They have two very good running backs. Right. They don't want to go out there and get in a, in a shootout because that's no. not what they do. And our defense is going to be tested already by playing these teams that want to quick throw and, and spread us out and not pound the fault but throw the football. That when we play these, when we play Florida State, when we play Georgia Tech, when we play V Tech, they're going to see a, a totally different Miami football team that's going to be already battle tested. Although, you know, we did play Cookman, it still was a test because of that quick strike you know, and not being able to have that domination of our D front, you know, our front seven has been in the newspaper the whole off season. So I think it's still so much left on the table that, you know, we still have, we, we, we can't even really appreciate our team like we should yet because we still there's so much left on the table that for us to see. Yep. So I'm just but- excited, man. I'm, I'm not worried. I'm excited. I think we can, you know, I think we can really be ready for VTech. I think VTech and Notre Dame, those two games right there are the ones that I think is got. You know, those are the two I'm looking forward to the most. I think VTech. All right, is well, you got a, you, you got a lot of work to do before you get there, though, Junkie. So, um, you know, yeah, I, 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 I like your optimism. I, I think they'll 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 have a chance to show you a lot more on Friday night, and hopefully it goes well. Let me let some other people get All on. Right. Thanks for being part of the Go show. Ahead, right? Man. Yep. Give us a call next week. You. Always good talking to you. All right, 563-999-3633. Hit one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go now to the 904. You're live on Kane Sport Live. 
Are you with us? Going once, going twice. All right, you got to call us back. Uh, let's go down to the 305. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Are you there? Going once, going twice. All right, let's go back to the 904. You're live on Kane Sport Live. That's you. Hello? Hello? That's you. Yeah, that's you. Hey, how's it going? Doing good. Who's this? How's it going? Rick from Going Jax. good. What's your name? Rick from Jax. All right, Rick. What you got for us tonight? Yep. What do you got for us? Nah, uh, not much. Um, I just had uh, – I, I think the other caller before had mentioned about a uh, Florida State receiver getting hurt, but he didn't know the name. Okay. I think, uh, I think his name was Auden Tate. Oh, okay. I didn't. I didn't see the yeah, whole so game. He was, yeah, he's get hurt. But yeah, yeah he's a big a left part of their offense. Yeah, he is. Uh, but I mean, I really don't want to talk about Florida State that much. But I don't want to no, rehash we'll do that next all week. the next Wednesday night. Yeah, we'll yeah, talk about Florida. <laughs> but um, but this but this two game stretch though, starting with Duke though, I think it's it's pivotal for the program to win these two games, even if it's by one point. Man. I, I mean, I feel good about the team because what all the callers have said before, you know, they came back in the second half and they were dominant, except for that little stretch where Toledo scored a couple of touchdowns there with the interception. But, you know, I think overall, though, the team, I'm trying to compare it because if you really think about it, we played Duke about four games ago. I mean, we had West Virginia, Bethune-Cookman, Toledo, but Duke wasn't Duke the last game of the regular season last year, right? Pretty much. God, I got to look. Yeah, I, it, I, it, it was. I remember, yeah, because I was um, I was at Ponte Vedra to Ritz Carlton. It was like the end of November. So they bring pretty much bring back their whole team. And I saw all their games against Northwestern, Baylor, North Carolina. I, I didn't watch that one game when they played against the doormat. But, you know, one thing about Duke is they're definitely going to throw a lot of short passes, a lot of bubble screens, and then – They'll take an occasional deep shot. So, yeah, that part of it I'm very worried about as far as um, them scoring. But as far as their defense, I noticed that starting in the Baylor game that um, basically they gave up a lot of big plays, you know. So yeah, I think they, we'll get Miami, Miami scored 40 on them in November, you know, November 26th when they played. So the, the yeah, opportunity to score yeah, that was a game that Njoko went off. I remember he had like two or three long touchdown passes. So I think we can get the same production. I think, you know, I, I don't feel, I feel good, but I'm cautiously optimistic. You know, I hope we get off to a good start. And that was my one observation about the game against Toledo. Another thing that I had a question about, um, I definitely don't want to talk about the basketball situation or anything like that. But as far as the football team, the uh, offensive line. So I noticed that um, they so they're basically playing five guys, right? Donaldson, Gauthier, and the two tackles. You know, McDermott, Darling, and um, Tyrone St. Louis. So there's really they're not really rotating any other six they, liners, they, right? They, I mean, they can't. They they can't. <laughs> they can I mean, they 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 just can't. They don't. They don't have you know their backups left. Nick Linder and Sonny Adagu were supposed to be the backups. They left. I mean, you don't want them getting into the what you know, the depths. No, no, you're right. Though I don't. I mean, I, I, in a way, I'm glad 
you know, yeah, I definitely don't want anybody getting hurt or anything like that. I, but I want, you know, I also like, because I remember during the golden era, he used to rotate a lot, and I didn't like that. But, I mean, I, I think it's good the way it is because I don't think offensive linemen get as tired as defensive linemen. But I feel good about the offensive line, and I don't know what he was talking about. I thought the receivers got a lot of separation. I mean, I, I've never seen Berrios. I know it was Toledo, but I haven't seen him with that kind of burst. Uh, except for Harley's drop pass, you know, they look pretty good overall. You know, even Mullins caught a pass. Even Michael Irvin caught two nice passes. So I can't re- – I, I think going into the ACC play, I feel probably the best um, about the receivers, the offensive line, and Rogier's played as good as can be expected. But I do – the defensive – I think for us to beat Duke and FSU and Georgia Tech and a few of the other schools, like he was mentioning, Virginia Tech and Notre Dame – our front seven has to step up their game big time, though, because last year when we played against West Virginia, there was just, I don't know, there seemed to be more penetration in the backfield than there is now. I know it's because of this, a lot of it's because of these teams that, you know, doormats, that they're not as motivated and the five, you know, the shotgun, the five, getting the ball out quick and all that, but definitely don't you agree that the defensive line has to really spike Chad Thomas and Joe Jackson I mean they got it somebody has to have a big game for us to beat some of these teams I think especially Florida yeah State I agree and- I, you know I think they've been a little disappointed in, in just the energy that those guys have been bringing to the game I mean not Joe Joe always plays hard and he's a great player he's 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 a freak that guy's that guy's just scratching the surface right now um I just think he's phenomenal um but you know, R.J. McIntosh made a few plays last week, but I don't think we're seeing enough out of Norton and Thomas. And, um, you know, I I said earlier, I mean, if Thomas doesn't start picking it up, I wouldn't be shocked if they don't put Garvin out there more because that kid is, is going to be a heck of a player. And, and he's yeah, he's and that play that he ready. had. Uh, did you see that play where he got the fa- where they it wasn't it was a face mask penalty, but it was actually offset, so it didn't hurt him. But um. That was a tremendous play. I mean, his burst off the edge is unbelievable for somebody that just came in like that. So, yeah, I think he'll get more playing time. I mean, Chad Thomas, it's not that I'm disapp- I'm not really disappointed. I mean, he makes plays, like, here and there, but he just doesn't have – he's never had, like, a really dominant performance. So I expected at least one or two games where he really showed up and just took over, but he's never done that. I don't know. Maybe he's just not that good. I mean, you know, maybe he's more – you know, I don't know, but – I mean, I really got nothing else. Just, um, I don't know, man. I just keep on, just hope that we beat Duke. That's all I care about, man. All right, Rick. That weekend weekend will suck. All right, dude. Later. You got it, man. Thanks for being part of the show. Let's go to the 850. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, how's it going, man? It's going. Who's this? This is Omar Tallahassee. Hey, what's up, Omar? We're getting ready to come visit you in a week or so, but got a little business on Friday night first. Yeah, man, we got to take care of Duke first. You know, I hope them boys don't try to look ahead because, yeah, that's how we always fall, look ahead to Florida State or after Florida State, they they debacle. So <laughs> I hope that don't happen. But, yeah, I'm going to keep it short tonight. Um, yeah, I saw your um your article that you put up um about the Delaney and about some of the coverages that we were in and that one touchdown that actually uh, looked like it was his fault. But I was looking at the play, and I, I played cornerback, so I know coverages. And I'm looking at – I'm like, I'm looking at the play, and he never looked at the receiver. 
The no, that time. was Amari Carter. Amari Carter was yeah. supposed to be back in the, back there. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So he was playing the flats, and then I um and Amari Carter supposed to have been deep, and so I'm like, he that could have been his man because he never looked at him. But another thing that I see that they got him playing is like that shadow defense where like they're not even being physical, and I'm like, I I don't think that I don't like it. I don't like it. If you're gonna be that close up to a player. And you're not even gonna try to jam him like that's something I never got. Like if we, if you're gonna play off, then just play five yards off and then stick the man. But if you're gonna play off like you're gonna jam him, then you shadow him. It's like I don't get it. And he, even when you shadow him, you, he, he still wasn't putting his hand on him when the guy was cutting. So I'm like, I don't know if that's DS um like doing or is that just them you know, moving on instant. But I'm like, that that's not going to work. It's not going to work. And especially, and another thing I don't like about our defense is how they do the safeties. When they are playing cover three, one of the safeties are kind of like playing that uh, man position. It, it seems like one of the safeties will come down a little lower and he'll be in man on one of the right receivers. But he gives the man about 12 yards off the ball. So, and a lot of teams, I see they're taking that, well, the two teams that we played, they've been taking that advantage of it. And they'll throw a little spot pass or the dude will do a little little um, two-yard and out and just hit him on the spot, and he got room to run for days because the safety's playing 12 yards off. I'm like, that's I, I don't know if he's just, you know, playing when, um, if they're doing vanilla uh, coaching Diaz, but – that's not going to work. I don't. I don't think it's going to work. If you're going to play physical, and then yeah, it, it's it's, and you know what these teams are doing. It's like they're doing little five yard hits and, or like quick passes because they know our pass rush is pretty, you know, good. So they trying to get the ball out pretty fast so before they can even get back there. So it's mm-hmm. like it's killing our our linemen at the same time because they don't have enough time. And then if you if the quarterback sees, okay, bring somebody in motion and sees that the safety is going to be sticking this man and he's 12 yards away from him, that's his, that's the go-to guy, you know. And so it's like it makes it so easy for teams to really gas us for small yardage. And they can get five, six yards, and they're good on second down because they're doing that on first down. So uh, I don't I don't like the scheme right now. I really don't. Because it's just not physical enough with the cornerback. Yeah, I mean, the, the to safety. me, I I, I agree uh, with a lot of what you're saying. I, I I just think they're letting receivers run way, way too free. Yeah, they, they, it, they get they, like challenge more. Like yeah, you know, Delaney's like, a big it, corner. Let him challenge these. Yeah, guys. let him be physical. Like why why is he shadowing this man? Like what is that going to help? That's not helping the pass rush get there faster by him not touching the receiver at all. This man huge. So I'm yeah, like, so. <laughs> you got this big corner that is not being physical. It's like, if that's the scheme, then Manny Diaz need to go back to the top. Well, I think they got a lot of have, I think they got a lot of schemes. You know, I, I just, yeah, I, and, and I'm, sure, I'm sure we haven't seen them hand. all. You know, we, yeah, I'm sure we haven't seen yeah. it all, and I'm sure they can adjust. But, you know, you, you and I are on the same page for sure. And when I've watched Delaney, to me, it's just he's just not he, – he he's reacting instead of, you know, forcing the yeah, action. Yeah, and I saw – yeah, and I saw the plays and how his 
And he been doing it, and he got did the same way in Bethune. Because he was doing that shadow, and the dude cut in, and he slipped. I seen him do that twice. He did it one time with Bethune, another time with um with uh, uh Toledo, and he he slipped because he ain't touching the guy. I'm like, you ain't touching him, and man. Five yards down the field, you ain't put a hand on him yet. Of course, you can't play defense <laughs> like that. You gotta touch him at. And it's like, yeah, I, I just don't like that. And I just hope that they holding it back for, you know, this game coming up or uh, Florida State where they're going to be more physical because that's just going to – it's going to kill us in the long run if that, if that stays like that. But um, other than that, um, I like the play of everybody. I like the play of the offense. I think it's, it's too, so early, so it's a lot of us, the team just, you know, still trying to jail still. It's the second game. And then you come off that long break, so it's them boys still trying to gel together. You can't just put it all together just that fast. But I'm, I'm liking the product that I've seen, and I like the play calling from Mark Rich so far. You know, last year he was trying to figure it out. I feel like he kind of finding his way with with the offensive play calling now. I really see that, especially on the second half. Once you see what the defense is really trying to do to us, he seems like his his second half adjustments have been on point. And I ain't going to keep it. Uh, that's about all that I want to say. And i see you when you get in Tallahassee, man. I'm going to be at you, that game. So You got definitely. it, man. And uh, give us a call next week. We'll uh, we'll preview the game. Good talking to you, though, Omar. Take it easy. All right. All right, let's go out to the 954. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Are you with us? Nine five four going once, twice. All right, next week. Uh, let's go to the two five six. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Yo, what's going on, Garrett? Doing great. Who's this? Yo, this is Juan from Alabama, man. Hey, what's up, Juan? How you been? And another day, another dollar, man. Talk to us. So, uh, just to keep it short and sweet, man. We got too much to say, man. Uh, we all know Mark Walton is the man. Uh, Travis Homer definitely, definitely did his thing as well. I like his, I like his running style and everything. So, I mean, pretty much, man, we probably ain't gonna see too much of Chalk. You know what I mean? As much as I like him myself, we probably ain't gonna see too much of him with those two guys putting in work like that. You agree? Uh, yeah, he's gonna get a carry here, a carry there. He had one the other day, um, but. I thought, I thought he looked better on that one run than he's ever looked. I really liked what I saw. Indeed, he Indeed. hit the hole. He was decisive. He he ran powerful. Yeah, and just and you know just just watching Travis Homer run though, man. You see, I think it was that uh, that pass play he may have scored off of. I can't really remember. I was at work watching on my phone at the same time. So, uh, but just when I think it was when he caught the ball. I think it was on a on a uh, receiving play. He caught the ball and he just just the speed, his acceleration. I was like, "Whoa, hey, that that boy good, man." So you know, nothing he, to worry a, about as far as that goes. He 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 gives them a very high quality backup, no doubt. Indeed, and uh, man, I, hey, I love when Kane Jeffrey call in, man. I like I like everything he be talking about. I be feeling the same type of way. But y'all both touched on a couple of things that I want to speak on, especially the whole Amon Richards situation, because I was wondering when he was coming back. But you already 
you know, told us about that. So, you know, with that being said, Gary, like I said, I'm going to keep it short and sweet tonight. I hope we slaughter Duke and just keep on, keep on slaughtering these people. So these people down here in the 256 know what's going on. Alabama, <laughs> it don't matter who it is, whoever wanted it, it don't matter. Hurricane for life, man. Keep me on hold. All right, Juan. Unfortunately, you're going to have to wait to uh, 2021 when the Canes in Alabama kick off the season to uh, really show them who's boss. Hopefully by then Miami will be at Alabama's level in its program development. Uh, right now, as painful as it is, those guys are uh, – they're still at the top, man. They keep they, they you know they, they just keep doing it year after year. Very impressive. All right, five six three nine 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 three six three three five six three nine 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 three six three three. Hit one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. We got about a little just under fifty minutes left, so we're gonna keep going on. Let's go down to the let's go to the five six one. You're live on Kane Sport Live. What's up, Gary? Doing good. What's Who's going this? On, man? Six one. All right, five six one. What you got for us? Uh, conditioning, man. I think a lot of this is people don't understand what these kids had to go through. Um, I wasn't there. You know, I wasn't there during the hurricane, but I know. I mean, the what these, what the struggle that these kids had to go through. Their families were in jeopardy. Uh, you know, a national disaster. The hurricane was, was the biggest hurricane ever, and. Still there? We lost you, huh? All right, sorry about that. Let's go to the 985. You're on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary Swagger for Life here. How you doing, man? Hey, what's up, Swagger? Good hearing from uh, you. Uh, yeah, not, not a lot. I'd like, I like to hear uh, the, the Alabama Kane fans uh, coming out a couple of calls ago. That's just nice to hear. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's uh, a good guy. Yeah, in, anyway, uh, not, not a lot tonight. A lot of people touched on a lot of things I want to talk about. Have we talked about D. Delaney tonight? At all, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> uh, no, I just, I just wanted to touch on just, uh, you know, what the last caller was getting into. I mean, nine days with no football, uh, having played deep one double A back in the day myself, that's tough uh, for these kids. I had mentioned it on the message board. I thought we as a fan base was a little tough on them, uh, having to come back from what they've been through uh, with the storm and you know, not getting the conditioning and the things that they needed and to come out and play a game the way that they did, I thought was actually impressive. So I'm going to go that route with it. I thought they were gassed in the second quarter. There was one shot of Shaq Quarterman where he just kind of looked in the second quarter. He looked just dead, <laughs> just quite honestly. But uh, Manny Diaz hit on it at the end of the game in his post-conference. He said at one point in the second quarter they were having trouble fielding just 11 functioning players and when your mind goes out there, you know, that's when you start making those kind of mistakes. I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just saying that I think we ought to give these kids a little bit more credit for what, what transpired out there uh, this past Saturday. Um, looking ahead at the Duke game, you know, I'm a little bit more worried about Duke than I am, you know, the next week at Florida State. Uh, Florida State and NC State, watch that game. Florida State to me is a mess. We'll get to that next week. But um, – but, you know, Cutcliffe's going to look at the tape. Cutcliffe's no no fool. He's going to look at the tape of Toledo and Bethune-Cookman, and he's going to – I'm going to disagree a few callers back. He's going to look at that tape, and he's going to come back with the same Chip Kelly, Oregon hybrid stuff and go quick passes, you know, uh, the, the sprint draw with Daniel Jones and try to beat us in that side-to-side game. And it's going to put a lot of pressure on these DBs. 
And, you know, if the, if these DBs don't, you know, don't step up and, uh, you know, grow up quick. I say grow up. I know we got a fifth-year guy out there. But, um, you know, if they don't if they don't step up, I think it's going to be a lot tougher game than what a lot of people think. I think we'll end up pulling it out in the end. I like the fact that Amon Richards is coming back. I think I don't think they'll be able to shut down our offense all night. Um, you know, do I see a shootout? Possibly. Um, but I think we'll come out on top. All right. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I, I'm, I'm not sleeping on Florida State the way some people are. Yeah, I think they'll be a better team in a couple of weeks than they were on Saturday against NC State. But I also thought NC State played a heck of a football game, and they deserve the credit too. So yeah, we'll see. They, they do. But this, but this yeah, week you got to worry about Duke. Yeah, yeah, this week's about Duke. So we'll get to FSU next week. Um, you know, as far as the players individually, I mean, Travis Homer, the thing about him, what I like about him is he's tough to bring down. You know, he gets, you know, first, second contact, he runs through it. It takes third and fourth contact to bring him down. That's the great great thing about Travis Homer. Uh, somebody compared him to Marcus Allen on the boards, which is a pretty accurate comparison. I kind of like that. Um, you know, I thought Trajan Bandy, you know, I know you said he just played eight plays, but, man, he looked good for those eight plays. He was out there. Uh, I don't you know, know if it was eight or nine or ten or whatever, and I agree he, he looked good on most of them, but – I think what's very underappreciated, at least from what I hear, is the capability of these kids to like. You, you can't play eighty-five plays. It's just it's too. No, you know, yeah. it's just not reality. Well, you know, you're playing these tempo offenses, and that's what they're going to try to do to us. These, you know, they're going to try to out-tempo us because, you know, they can't. You know, teams like Toledo, they can't out-athlete us. So that's that's the way they're going to try to beat us. They're going to try to try to tire us out. And with the secondary be depleted, which has been talked about at nauseum tonight, I mean, you know, it's, it, that's, you know, that's tough. And, um, you know, if you want to talk about the defensive line, not getting enough pressure. Well, you know, when the quarterback's getting the ball out in a second, you know, I mean, that's, that's tough. You know, that's going to be tough to do when we get, when we get in situations, when there were situations in the Toledo game where it was third and long, you saw the Miami defensive line really stand up. Now that didn't happen until the second half, but oh, that that's that's when you really saw you really saw what the capabilities were of the deep line. I do agree with you though. I think we need to see more out of McIntosh, Norton, and and Chad Thomas. Garvin got in there a couple of plays and flashed, which mm, look out. So you know, I it mean, was actually McIntosh. Norton did was hardly did to, to my eye didn't do much last week. McIntosh no, was the one that did the best. Yeah, I was talking about Garvin when Garvin got yeah, in. Garvin's, yeah, Garvin. Yeah, Garvin was in there for some, a few plays and did really well. Yeah, yeah, but um, but you know they'll come around. It was a long layoff. I think I think we'll see a better Canes team. They better bring it for Duke. Uh, I just I Cyclops no fool, you know. And um, you know, I, like I said, I think we'll win. I just I, I'm I'm kind of like I'm kind of like a few callers ago. I'm cautiously optimistic. But uh, but I but I think we'll pull out the win. Uh, this week. All right, sounds good. You got anything else tonight? That's it. All right, man. Give us a call next week. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Gary. Yeah. Let's go to the eight six five. You're on Kane Sport Live. What's up, Gary? Doing great. Who's this? This is Elijah Green, twenty five, down here in Knoxville, hey. Tennessee. What's good? What's going on, Elijah? 
Oh, man, not much, man. First and foremost, man, it's been a great show. I want to say thank you for everything that you do, man. Uh, definitely appreciate that. And I was kind of giving you a hard time on that one post whenever I talked about the uh, uh, free until Florida State game. I don't know if you took that was a joke or not, but I was kind of missing Wait, the what? Wait, what did you post about the Florida State game? Uh, you had, um, like, the uh, free cane sport. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I know. know. It's all good. Don't worry. (laughs) I know what you're talking about. It's all all good. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, just to kind of chime away with what the other colleges talked about, um, I caught on that Diaz interview in which he basically also mentioned about how fatigue was causing the mental errors. And um, so I was just kind of just looking into that as well, you know what I mean? And I definitely like the, um, the last article that I read. Um, that had about the cover three pass that was completed that was not Delaney's fault. So I think Delaney is somewhat a liability, but I think at the same time it's also more so how Diaz is utilizing him. And then on top of that, you've got Carter playing out of position, not knowing his coverage. You know what I mean? So I mean, I think a lot of that has to, you know, yeah. To me, kind of get off of I'll to me, more disappointing than D. Delaney getting beat on a few occasions was the fact that they're trying to let Amar, uh, Amari Carter – Amari Carter is a kid who obviously has great physical ability. He looks like he's going to be a really yeah. good safety. They're trying to get him involved, and they clearly were trying to get him involved. And yeah. he, 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 blew, he didn't know what he was doing. I mean, I, I, to me, that was really disappointing. Yeah, yeah. So with that being said, um, you think Diaz is will either dumb it down because the defense, you got to understand the defense, they're supposed to be like the strength. That was the number one reason for all the optimism. All the hesitation for any optimism was because we didn't have a quarterback. Our offensive line wasn't doing, you know, didn't perform well until like the last five games of the season. Everybody was so super hyped up on us having the number one defense in the ACC. And we haven't played anybody good at all that has any elite kind of, you know, receivers yet. But yet you're looking at some – I wrote down some stats here. Um, First down against Bethune-Cookman, we gave up 20 first downs. Against Toledo, we gave up 23 first downs. When you're talking about the money down, third down, we were eight and seventeen against Bethune Cookman, and thirteen and twenty-three against um, Toledo. You cannot have an elite defense when you're putting those kind of numbers and your defense. I mean, of course, I think a lot of it has to do with that he has to dumb it down, in my opinion, and play a lot more press man coverage, which is Delaney's strength, or dumb it down to where the the, the safeties are playing instead of a cover three, because obviously Carter, as amazing as he is for his run support, and and Johnson is a liability in that area, he can't really, he doesn't really fully understand cover three in that, in that, in that essence. So either you dumb it down, play cover one, more cover two, but leave the cover three down, do a little press man coverage. What's your take on that? You know, I've heard some talk about, you know, a lot, several people saying that they think Manny needs to dumb it down a little bit, and 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 maybe maybe he does. We're going to talk to him tomorrow and get a better feel of where his head's at. Um, I I right. can't really guess what he's thinking right now. Uh, I'm sure they were thrown a little bit by the mental busts last week. 
Uh, it's a big challenge getting this many guys ready to play who have never played a game before and, um, you know, or never played their positions before. And, and I can feel for what the defensive coaches are going through with those guys in the secondary. Um, plus, you know, you've got a lot of people wanted to blame Manny, but you have to remember, you know, he, he's not coaching every single kid on defense. He relies a lot on the position right. coaches, too. You got a couple right. young coaches in Ephraim Banda and Mike Rump working with the DBs. And, you know, so they've got a big challenge on their hands teaching all those kids. And, uh, you know, I'm sure they were thrown by a lot of those mental busts last week because I'm sure they felt going into the game that the kids were ready and they knew what they were doing. But, uh That'll cost you, man. You can't leave receivers uncovered. You can't give up all those easy third down conversions and stuff like that. You're 100% right. So, you know, maybe they will have to dumb it down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, because if they don't, and we're talking about getting into the ACC play, Duke is going to light us up. North Carolina is going to find a way to light us up. Even Virginia, which had an offensive, you know, explosion against Boise State, they're going to light us up if we don't get that fixed. Because, I mean, right now we can't even get any pressure on anybody because they're just letting the ball out on third and long and, I mean, on, on, on three-step drops, and no matter what, you're picking up a first down and three on the third down no matter what, just from the, from what the current defensive stats are showing. I mean, when you're going 8-17 and 17 and 13-23 and 23 against two um, subpar teams that will never even make it in the top 25, and you're now talking about teams that are in the top 25 and should be, like in Duke, Duke is good enough. They should be in the top 25 conversation. Um, Based on what they did with Baylor and what Baylor did with Oklahoma, they're a really legit team. That game has me really on the edge. If they don't get that straightened up, man, we are going to have a long day. But I don't think that we're going to lose. I just think that it's going to be a longer game, and we're going to be really, really too – much on the edge of our seats, and I don't like that. I hate those well, kind you're of gonna teams. Have some, I, of those, some of these teams are going to rise up and play good games, and you're going to have games that are going to go into the fourth quarter. I, it's like that every year. Even when Miami was a, a dynasty and the, the, the best yeah. program in the history of college football, you always had three, four, five games a year that went into the fourth quarter and were hanging in the balance, and you had that suspense. I mean, that's competitive college football. Right, right. And that's, that's what I was trying to tell them. There's that one caller. I'm not going to call him out, but everybody probably knows him. Um, he's always talking about how negative, you know what I mean, the whole team as a whole is because we're not beating these teams 56 to nothing. And I'm like, even the best teams that we ever had, and even all of the five last championship teams, they struggled against subpar teams. Um, I get that. Um, and I'm, I'm happy with the direction it's going, and I do believe that we'll pull the win out. It's just going to be one of those things that is going to be more of a relief than more of a confidence. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. That we always had that game in the, you know, in the end of, you know, we penciled it in and we probably could have put a pen over it um, and that kind of that as, as a win. Um, but also another thing that I want to talk about, you were, in my opinion, I think that you were way too high on Kaya. Kaya was a great quarterback in his own regards. Um, but I believe that you are way too high because when you break down some things that Malik Rosier brings to the football team, it's night and day from what Kaya would done. For example, that third and eight well, half- I don't know if it's night and day. Let's say it's different. Okay, he he brings a running element. It's different. Um, I, I think you know I would say Kaya is is the better pure passer. But it, let me tell you something. Malik made some throws the other day, and I know it was against Toledo, but. 
Yeah. I mean, the, the two that come to mind in particular are that one touchdown pass to Berrios in the end zone. And yeah, then the other money. one was that was that 18 yard out route to Harley. Right. I mean, those were big time throws. And I, and, and, and I thought he really showed us something on those plays. So, you know, maybe the Malik Rozier that we're getting here in 2017 motivated as a starting quarterback, which Mark Rick tells us is making a huge difference in his eyes. Um, you know, maybe he's good enough and, and we'll continue to see as the games get tougher and the stakes get higher. Right. Uh, the thing that I saw with Kaya all the years, for one, I don't think that Kaya would have brought us back. And that's something that is more of a testament to Kaya. Once, whenever we're down, he would always find some way to make a huge mistake and we would, turn, we would not win that game. That's just my opinion. Another reason why I think that we would not win that game, if it was third and whatever, anything after third and fourth, he would not be able to pick it up because everybody would play pass coverage and he was a sitting duck. He would not be able to run for four yards. He couldn't even get the – I mean, even stay alive in the pocket long enough to make a play. Um, so that's just my opinion. I mean, I honestly think that uh, Rosier is a much, much better um, improvement in that position in the regards that what, this, what, he, what he brings to the table. Um, Kyle was good in his own regards, you know, but – not when you're breaking. Not when you're talking about bringing a team back. I, I can't remember any time the Kaya really brought us back. Can you? Not off the top of my head. That right. was one of the that um, was one of the frustrating things was that you know he didn't have those signature victories and those fourth quarter comebacks and things like that. Yeah. Um, and last but not least, uh, I just want to just kind of just get your take. I mean, because in my opinion, I think if we fix the defensive back. Um, issues, and we're able to get that fixed. I honestly see us. I know we've got to take a one game at a time, and I'm definitely down there with that. But I honestly believe if we can improve on our weakness as a defense and we keep on getting the same production offensively, the skies, we're pretty much our own worst enemy at that point. Um, the only biggest challenge we'll have would be, especially if we make it to the championship game, will be Clemson. And Clemson, as great as they are, they are beatable. And I know that's going to sound like a stretch to a lot of people's mind, but Boston College played them extremely tough. And their quarterback, as good as he played against Louisville, Louisville's defense is technically as bad as our defense is now. And if we can improve our coverage, I honestly believe then we will have a much better defense than Boston College played against. And our offense will score points that Clemson, that Boston College could not. That's my my two cents. I just want to kind of get your opinion um, on the team. What do you see us like? Um, I know it's only been two games, so you can't really give us much. But where do you see us? Um, where do you see us going into like grow, like growing as as far as a team? You can put me on hold after that. Well, all right. Um, yeah, I went uh, I went through the whole thing at the beginning of the show, so I, I would encourage you to go back and, and listen to the podcast, which we'll post here in a little bit. But um, to sum it all up, I, I I love what we're seeing on offense. I you know I think the second quarter last week was an aberration 
Um, I, I think that all the position groups are really playing well on offense, and there, there's really not a lot of a lot of beasts on the offensive side. I think the defense has been a little disappointing in the first part of the season. I just I don't like the energy that they're bringing. I think I hopefully as the games are becoming more significant now, starting Friday night, that they bring a little bit more juice and 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 are a little bit more into the games than I think maybe they were here the first two weeks. And those were tough offenses to play. Not because they're, those teams are great, but just the style that they play. And it's frustrating. If you're a defensive lineman like Joe Jackson and you're beating your guy off the block and it's all a waste of time over and over and over again, you know, that gets a little boring. And, and I get it. But, um, you know, those guys are expected to be a, a very good defense. And, uh, and I also, like I've said several times tonight, to think that if the defensive backs are going to hold up their end of the bargain – um, they're going to have to play more aggressively and maybe get a little bit more physical with the receivers and stop letting teams do whatever they want. I think that's why the third down conversions are so bad. The receivers just aren't being challenged and everything's reaction. You know, the guy runs his route, he catches the ball, they react and tackle. And I think they got to get a little bit more aggressive and make plays on the ball. So that's uh, about where I would assess it right now. All right, let's go down to the 305. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, how are you tonight? I'm doing great. Who's this? Adam. Hey, Adam. What you got for us? A couple questions. One, unfortunately, um, with the basketball scandal, do you think this could linger for Miami, similar to the Nevin Shapiro thing? Or do you think this will be wrapped up rather quickly? Yeah, I think it'll be wrapped up rather quickly. I I think that Miami will look into it. I think they're going to have to make a decision. Uh, you know, are they going to stand with a, you know, and, and I'm not saying this positively or negatively. I think they're going to have to make a decision whether to stand by their coach, who I'm sure is going to say that this is all a bunch of BS that I never told them to pay this kid $150,000. They did that on their own. Um, or are they going to, or is the pressure going to be so severe because of the scope of this entire thing? And the fact that it's not going to get bigger before it gets smaller and is the pressure of just the whole concept of a kid being paid $150,000 to go to Miami going to inspire the administration to act quickly and, and, you know, make some, make a change or two to show the NCAA that they're on top of the program. And if they see anything that they're going to act and they're not going to waste time. So I think those are the issues you've got right now. I think they're going to be worked out very, very quickly, Adam. I don't think that this will linger at all because, you know, you got to remember the kid, the, the, nothing, yeah. the kid hasn't even, he hasn't even official visited yet, which is, a, yeah. that, that's a good, that's a good thing. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. In this, in this situation, he much less commit and actually sign and be planning on coming. So um, this yeah. is a whole, this was a speculative situation, which I think helps mm-hmm. it. Um, but I understand the pressure that the administration is going to be under yeah. with this, so all bets are off. You know, um, oh, okay. All bets because are I off. Because I know they are—they've already arrested four assistant coaches around the country. Yeah, and they're and, like and, facing and, and, bribery. And the reason why this coach at Miami wouldn't have been part of it was he yeah. hasn't done any, He didn't do anything legally wrong. Like you know, there's there's no, no criminal. You're right. There's no criminal charge there. You know. The question is, do you no, believe think, the guys that are defendants? Do you believe what they're saying yeah. over what the coach, I'm sure, is going to say, which is going to be, I did none of this. I didn't tell them to do this. Yeah, I think Miami yeah. in that regard is in the similar boat with Louisville, where they're just a named school 
versus the coach. Oh, uh, would no, I think, these, I think these guys, when they were wiretapped, had a conversation yeah. where they where they said that this is going on, and they said that this coach was aware of it yeah. and was a proponent of it. Um, I mean, there's no question that they had that conversation or it wouldn't have shown up in the FBI report. It showed up in the FBI report because they had the tape of the conversation by those guys that are defendants. So, yeah, that's true. So, you know, hopefully this doesn't lead. Yeah. I don't see it lingering. I see it being straightened out very, very quickly one way or the other. Okay. Um, Okay. And a couple of football questions. Um, one, this recruit Ivy, do you see him as like an underrated cornerback recruit? Because I think he's I don't. only like a, uh, well, I think he's only like a three star when looking at like Alblage Jr. and Job who and Friesden who are all four stars. Yeah, I think I think Ivy's rated about where he should be. Um, I okay. think there, you know, there are concerns about his raw speed. Um, as a corner, he's, he's a tall, lanky kid. Uh, you know, we'll see how it works out. I'm not, you know, I don't know, but I think he's ranked about yep. where he should be. Um, Blades might be over, like might be ranked higher. I mean, he's a kid that doesn't even start. He's, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, I, he might be overranked to be honest with you. He, he might really be a three-star. Oh, okay. Oh, Blades doesn't start. I know Samuel Jr. starts. I thought Blades was the other corner there. Uh, I forget the other kid's name that they that they play, but Blades isn't playing a ton. You know, he's got very meager, very meager stats, and you know, I haven't taken the time to do an investigation there to what's up. But I mean, okay. you know, yeah. I I think four star might be generous, and and yeah. and if he doesn't start playing more, that you might see him drop to a three star. Yeah, a couple of recruiting questions, and then on to the Duke. Game. One, do you see um, Lorenzo, um, and this is assuming uh, Walton goes pro, which isn't a sure thing by any stretch. Um, do you see Lingard playing and or Davis playing as true freshman next year? Absolutely. Especially uh, Lingard, I see being a, a, a likely starter. I mean, oh, that's, really? a, that's an elite, that's an elite recruit who's just a off the charts yeah. athlete. Um, yeah. You know, even I, you know, I, I don't want to predict what they'll do, but yeah. you know, I, I, Lingard's not going to be a backup very long. Okay. And what about Cam Davis? Cam Davis will be a backup. You know, and, okay. and I think that he's a ba- he's a backup. He's a level player. Just like I personally think Travis Homer is a backup level player, and I don't think that's a horrible thing. You okay. got to have more than one running back. You need production when you put that guy in the game. I mean, yeah. you know, look at what's going on at Georgia right now with the Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle. You know, they're both yeah. very high quality players. They're very productive, and Georgia's number seven in the country. So, yeah, there's nothing wrong with having two two good guys. You have to have no. two good guys. No. I do like our running back situation, even if Walton goes pro next year, because you have Davis, you have Lingard, and then you have Homer. And you also have Homer back, mean, right? Yeah. And Chalk Ray, assuming. And Chalk will be back too, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and um, a couple uh, uh, questions. Um, first, with the secondary, well, do you see somebody like uh, Romeo? Uh, well, one, what happened to Javante Dean? I got on late, and it's like he's been non-existent. He was like a highly sighted JUCO recruit. Yeah, and- I mean, the, the the coaches don't obviously don't believe in him yet. 
You know, he, he's, he's had a, a, you know, he's had issues which have slowed him down. I, I said earlier, I, I'm not sure he came in the best of shape. Um, you know, that would be the first thing. You know, and, and I think he struggled in, in fall camp, and he just hasn't gained the confidence of the coaches yet. Oh, okay. Um, and right. um, a couple more questions. One on the O-line. Um, did I see correctly, or was Gaynor – has Gaynor, like, converted to fullback, or what's going on there? Uh, they've used him some line as, up as, at in short yardage, they've used him some as a fullback in short yardage. But, no, he's the backup center. Okay. Because I also saw that they used Chris Herndon as a fullback when they spread him out for his touchdown. Catch yeah, it depends, on, it depends on the play. depends on what they're running. Oh, um, okay. And um, a couple other questions. One, do you think we'll see more of, like, Romeo Finley, like, in the secondary? Not necessarily. Our, uh, okay. I think, you know, he's playing a little bit, which is about what I think you'll continue to see. Okay. No, I mean, I mean, D. Delaney, the only couple of busts, one was a Michael Jackson bust where they let that guy Thompson get wide open down to the two in the second quarter. Like, yep. I mean, there were a couple of garious busts, but then again, I do think we improved in the second half. Do you think some they of did. it can be attributed? Do you think some of it could be attributed to Russ? Because it was a nah, long way. I'm not buying. I'm not making that. I'm not buying the Russ. You know, no. Russ is not I don't think that comes into play with pass coverage. Okay. You know, Russ, I, I mean, Russ is like, Russ is bad timing on offense, not being in a rhythm. You know, being a little sluggish at the line okay. of scrimmage. Russ isn't not being able to cover defend the pass. I don't think that's uh, okay. not not in my opinion. But did you see any rust? And real quick, did you see any rust in the first half before we kicked it into gear in the third, in the second yeah, half? I, yeah, I think it took them a little time to get into a rhythm. They had those two quick drives because of the the big yeah. running plays. But I think yeah. that they it, they didn't really get into a rhythm in the second quarter, and I thought that played they played mm-hmm. a horrible second quarter. But to their credit, they came out with all guns blazing in the third. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I thought, um, real quick, I thought Anthony Moten made some nice plays, especially in the third quarter, stopping the running back on third yes, and three for, what, a three-yard loss? Yeah, he made he's, a couple nice he's plays. Really he's really shown. Yep. Well, he's been, he's been coached okay. by Coach Cool now for two years, so he should, yeah. be, playing his best, should be playing his best football. Now you just, just got to get Chad, Chad Thomas doing the same. Yeah, exactly. Well, hopefully we can beat Duke. I mean, normally it's tough up there where we've been able to blow them out when we've been playing them in Miami. So hopefully we can get the win and prepare for Florida State. Because I was I was impressed with some of Blackman on Saturday, but he did make way he made a lot of true freshman mistakes. Especially, I think he fumbled three or four times. Just on just holding the ball loose. So hopefully we can rattle them in two weeks. Yeah. All right, Adam. All right, call all right. next week. Have a good. You got day. it. Always good talking okay. to you. All right, we got a few calls left. Let me just uh, start attacking some of these questions that were on the the, the message boards at uh, canesport.com. Um, we've been uh, rocking and rolling so well here on the show. I haven't gotten to any of them yet. Um, it seems as if, as if Mike Harley is currently a starter. When Amon Richards comes back this week, 
Will Harley still be the starter in three wide receiver sets? I would say he'll still be on the field in some of the three wide receiver sets. Uh, who starts and doesn't start depends on what the first play is. Um, but uh, I don't think there's any question that uh, Richards and Berrios will be out there a lot. I think Cager will too. Uh, and Harley and Jeff Thomas and, and Dale Harris at uh, all will will have to be worked in around that. And uh, as the games get more difficult and get closer, Mark Rick, I would think, will start relying more on his best players and his veterans. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it plays out. But uh, that's that, that's what I think. And um, next question was, why is Barrios consistently used on the outside? Um, we have more uh, other talented receivers with the skill set to play on the outside. Barrios' game and size seems to be much better fit for playing inside. Um, Barrios can play all three receiver spots. I think it just depends on the play and who else they want on the field. And I think that when Amon Richards coming back, that you will see Barrios in the slot a lot more. And um, because Amon's obviously going to be on the field a, a greater percentage of the time. All right, let's get back to your calls. Um, 563-999-3633. 563-999-3633. Uh, let's go out to the 916. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Gary, how you doing, man? It's Roland from New Orleans. Hey, what's up, Roland? Hey, what you got, man? I'm good. Quick, couple quick questions, man, on on uh, offensive line. Uh, do you think uh, – what do you think about McDermott playing left tackle? Like he got – you know, he, I mean, we had, they were playing Toledo. You had guys coming off the edge kind of. Forward, yeah, you know, he's like, that's, that's some issues, he, right? I mean, that's the, it's gonna it's gonna happen sometimes. Okay, he 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 he's not he he probably let me let me think what the what's the best way to phrase this? It, it's his best position. I think he's more effective out there than he was at guard. But I don't think he's what about right tackle? I don't think he's an elite. Well, you've got Tyree playing right tackle. You know, that's the thing. Yeah. You know, you're, you're trying to take your five best guys and put them. I, I, I think he's way better at left tackle than Trevor Darling was, for example. I, I'd much yeah, rather have that. McDermott out there than Trevor Darling. So um, I think they're trying to take their five best guys and get him out there. Uh, but I agree there. I think there are going to be times where he gets beat. You know, he's not an elite athlete. I think he's a good mm-hmm. offensive lineman. Uh, I think he'll get drafted but he's not an elite athlete. Um, eventually, if he's going to want to play pro football, he's going to have to go back to playing inside. Mm. Okay, okay. Maybe right, maybe about, right tackle. Uh, I mean, I, I guess we can't sell him out at right tackle, maybe. We'll see. Okay. Um, at, at corner, with, uh, what about uh, Michael Jackson? Do you think he's going to get any uh, playing time? Because, uh, I mean, when I watch a game when we play Toledo, and we played Bethune Cookman. Granted, you know it was twenty days, twenty five days off, but it was a lot of. I mean, there was some issues with Delaney, and I know you keep hearing it. But what about Michael Jackson? Oh, he's, he's not better um, than I. I know that there's a lot of focus on Delaney, and part of it. Well, I mean, we've been we've sliced and diced it in every way. I know. I, Delaney's out there yeah. for more snaps than anybody else for starters, but um, and he has struggled, and he, he maybe he's pressing and different things. We you know we've talked about all that all night. Um, Mm-hmm. But Michael Jackson's not even close to as good as Delaney. I'll tell you that right now. And uh, yep. you don't want you don't want him getting more reps and Delaney on the bench. And uh, you know they're trying to find a role for Michael because they can't just throw Malik Young out there for, 
for 80 snaps either. So they're trying to find a role for him as mm-hmm. as an early early down corner who can help the, against the run and and you know. But um, I I think that if he could survive in that role, it will be a monumental accomplishment. I mean, I'm not trying to disrespect the kid. I just you know I I personally didn't think he'd ever play in Miami. So. Uh, you know, I, I thought I didn't. You know, I thought that he would. You know, just talent-wise, was not at this level. But I think he's accomplishing a lot. Just that the coaches felt that they could make a role like this for him, and if he could survive mm-hmm. in the role that he's in, I think it's great. Gotcha. You know, I'll tell you a lot of people who are sleeping on. I know you say you only got one carrot, but Chuck, man, I'm gonna tell you right now. I think he should get a couple more carrots, man. Kid look big back, explosive. Yeah, he may. You know, you, you know what you know, I. He's got to get I some said he's coming here. back. I, I wouldn't mean, be surprised if he transfers somewhere next for his last year. It kind of almost makes I, sense I for he, him to do so. You know, I mean, you don't think he should get some get some carries, a big physical back. He's not getting you them, know, and he's uh, not going to get any more next year either. Like, why would he? You're going to have Lingard. You're going to have Homer. I mean, he's going to be the third back next year too. Okay. So okay. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you want him to stay. You don't want the position depth to get depleted. But I wouldn't be surprised if he transferred after this year. Gotcha, gotcha. And, and uh, with Malik yeah, he could go to like an FIU or FAU and play a lot. I just think he should get some carries. Just, I mean, you know, he picked. He, I mean, granted, he got the ball, carried the ball once or twice, and he picked up eight, nine, ten yards on that on that yeah, carry. Yeah, good so on that one. That was the best I thought really he's good. ever looked. That's what I'm saying. He yep. needs some touches. So. But, yeah, but you can't right, give yeah, everybody man. touches. I mean, listen, you just came out of that game. Okay, we're talking about but, touches. I mean, let's let's look at the touches like last week, for example. Walton, that's Mark, Mark Walton. That's a lot of carries. That's a lot of touches for Mark Walton with a long season. No, Walton I mean, had eleven. He only had eleven carries last week. Well, he only had Walton 11. had eleven. And like Travis, had Travis Homer had eight. That's it. So how I didn't know he, that. Where do you feel like? Where, yeah, eleven and eight. So where where do you have room okay. for a third running back, Roland? You don't. Hmm. You know, it's okay. just the way it is. All right. All right, man. I appreciate it, man. Keep All right. On. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for yep. being part of the show. Let's go to the 973. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Okay. What's going on, man? What's going on? A lot to talk about. Who's this? Covered a lot of stuff. It's Ross, Jersey, man. Hey, what's up, Ross? What you got, man? What's going on, man? Just listening. Um, hopefully you can give me some time to Talk about a few things, man. You don't um, have a lot of time. It's you know, ten forty nine. I know. So I, I got to get. I, I got to get you. I got to get one other caller, and I got a few more questions. I got to get to in eleven yeah, minutes. But you know, so go, I'm man. Go, go fast. Go, 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 go. I'm gonna I'm cover some things that y'all was talking about and what I saw. Um, as far as addressing the wide receivers not getting separation, um, I know you was in the stadium, so you watched in the stadium. But the announcers was making a point by saying the receivers was being held. And Miami need to adjust to that, meaning that when we're playing defense, we need to hold too. So I know some of the callers or some of the fan base will probably be able to remember that. They was really holding our wide receivers. They was doing it a lot. Mm-hmm. So as far as not getting separation, we definitely was trying to get separation, but they weren't calling the holding. They weren't calling the penalties like they should have. So um, just, to cu- just to cover that point. I know, yeah, Ross. They, um, they had also, 300, 333 yards passing, so I don't know. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying. They was talking about not being separation. You get separation if they weren't holding you. So that was one. I just wanted to cover that part. Um, as right. far as Homer is concerned, like the way he played. I just don't like him when he's going east and west. I like him more when he's going south, north and south, and catching the ball out of the out of um, backfield. That's when he's more effective. 
when he can catch it, look ahead, and go, he's really effective there. But as far as going east and west, can't he's not getting it done that way. You know, just observation for my part from what I've seen. Then you know, didn't like that. And also, you know, the the, the subject of the night with the the cornerback. Don't forget, we were the same people talking about Elder not getting it done in training camp. He might not be able to pick it up. And then once the season started, he struggled a little bit too. And then eventually he was able to find his way in the season and start playing dominant football. Yes. So did Adrian Colbert, by the way, Ross. Adrian struggled a little bit the first few games too, and then he got better as the year went on. And it's a lot going on. And I'm I'm watching the game. I watched the game about three times. And I'm watching him turn around talking to the guy who's playing safety, and they're trying to communicate when this guy's about to snap the ball. So it was a lot of this miscommunication. Guys not sure where they wanted to be. So it's two early games. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a little nervous about him too. But I went back and I was trying to be fair to him. And I went back and I watched and I watched and I watched. And he was looking back at the safety doing a lot of talking. And that, that play, that was Carter's fault. That was, he, was, he didn't even touch the guy. He let the guy go right past him and Carter should have covered him. Yep. That wasn't even, that was not even his play, man. So a lot of people, I'm a little nervous about him too, but I think I'm going to give him better for a doubt. And, and, and see what happens, you know. So, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not worried about that too much. Hopefully, he'll come. He'll, he'll stop the run on, in the cornerback spot because he's a physical corner, and he'll eventually pick it up like Elder did. Because I remember you, Gary, saying it last year in training camp. You don't know if Elder was even going to be able to pick up what's going on. And by game four, he was sticking jokers out there, ready yep. to knock their head off. You know. Yep. All right, listen. Um. Sticking to our cornerback, if you had to pick one of our cornerbacks that's going to come off the edge and, and be like cornerback blitz, who would be the one you'll pick? Which 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 one do you think we have, as far as our corners is aggressive coming off and trying to go in and get that quarterback? If you had to do a corner blitz, who would you pick? Oh boy, um, Michael Jackson, Delaney, either one of them. Okay, because I'm I'm trying to figure out which maybe one of Bandy, our, um, our... maybe Bandy could do it. Maybe. But they might and not even Malik like Young, I mean, too. Malik Young for a little guy, man, he plays tough. I like Malik Young. Well, see, well, you see what you're doing right there? You're trying to figure out which one of those guys have the speed to do it. Because if you're going to be a cornerback, corner you, you, you could call that with any of them, really. It, it, does, there's, okay. it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. And uh, sticking on the quarterback, as far as Dean is concerned, don't forget, this kid is a twig, man. He, he came in, he's lightweight, he's a lightweight cornerback. He's yep. going to have to get used to the physical being that's going on. He, they probably was beating him up in practice, and they noticed that, and they said, okay, even though he was a, a guy that Alabama was looking at, Alabama didn't tear the doors down for him. They was telling him, he, you could come, and you probably could play special team until you get yourself on, in a physical shape to get on, our, on the field and play a whole game. So yep. let's keep that in mind. He's a twig. He's a, he's a real small quarterback. And he's going well, to he, he, no, he's the tall play. and thin. He's, he's skinny, yeah. Yeah, he's very, very thin. Very, very thin. Yeah. And this is college football at big time, and he's going to have to get acclimated to that. Um, let me touch on um, – and this is just selfishly as far as just my thoughts. Let me touch on – I'm sorry to hear what's going on with their basketball team, with the whole scandal and everything, but hopefully, hopefully this was scared the living heck out of everybody that's out there doing these street agent stuff all around football and anything. Maybe you can start getting some out of South Florida athletes staying home and not taking that check, if you know yep. what I mean, Garrett. Okay, it's going to scare some people. It will. Hopefully it scares the bejesus out of them, and they'll slow down and stop paying these parents and paying these people. And I don't, you know, 
So, you know, maybe some good will come out of this. And I'm talking about from mm-hmm. every for both major sports. Because this right here was a, a shocker. These guys got arrested, and everybody was like, wow. So you think some of these head coaches right now are saying, wow, did I do anything that was not upright in the last couple of years? And do I have anybody on my coaching staff that's not doing right? So hopefully this is scared of the Jesus, especially out of the, um, the football side, because you know how dirty the football side is, Gary. Come on. Basketball, the heck out of basketball makes, makes football look like child's play. <laughs> Let me tell yeah, you exactly. something. Basketball is, a, is an absolute joke, okay? Absolute, every single Compared kid with handlers really and on. agents and everything. Yeah, it's, yeah basketball is a joke, SEC. and that's why I think the FBI went after him. All right, Ross, listen. I hate to cut you off. I, I, I know I'm sure you got more. No, that's cool. That's cool. Get, get, get cool. in earlier next week. show's going to be Wednesday. Yeah, but we talked, yeah, we talked get, about get, that Friday yeah. game. It's going to be a blackout, yeah. and they're going to be excited. So we got to come and play. You got it, man. Hey, um, we'll talk keep, to you next keep week. Keep your hold. I will. All right. Th- thanks for calling. All right, let me. Um, we got. I got one more guy in the queue. Let me just uh, knock off the, the rest of these questions really quick. Um, just how thin are the canes at safety? Is it worse than we thought? Um, I would say no. It's about as bad as those of us who looked through it, looked at it through an honest lens, thought it, that it could be. I mean, what in the world did we have to suggest that either of the guys that were lined up to play safety were, were ready to be or would be frontline safeties. I think it's a work in progress. These guys have never played the position before over a whole season and a whole game. And, um, you know, I think that you're seeing that a little bit in the inconsistencies. Hopefully as the year goes on, it continues to get better. DJ Dallas, he was initially recruited as a defensive back. Why is he not playing on the defensive side of the ball since there's a great need there? Well, I think they decided properly that he, would be a wide receiver and that that was the best position for him to try first. But uh, I think you got to remember that he was a high school quarterback. Uh, Harley and Thomas have been further along and maybe that should not be such a surprise. Um, I would say that maybe DJ ends up at DB eventually when you look at the talent coming in a wide receiver, but there's a lot of good DBs coming into the program too. So, um, you know, I don't know that they can make a switch like that right now. Um, I think if they need an emergency running back, that he would be the guy they look to. But um, as far as DJ Dallas is concerned, I think, you know, you have to hope that he's not a guy that never really finds a, a position. Um, a lot of questions about D Delaney. I'm going to skip him because we've, we've talked about him a lot uh, tonight. Um, and I guess I'm, I'm looking really quick. We've, we've touched on most of the other topics. So let me go to our last call of the evening. Let's go out to the 352. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Kerry, what's up? Doing great. Who's this? T. Kane Thompson, Orlando, Florida. I hey, what's up, man? I know you're short. One thing. No, you're good. You, you got the last minute. And all, <laughs> and, all, and all the fans, they just changed the LSU game from Saturday next year to Sunday. So for yep. all the Kane fans that made early reservations, you got to go back and look at it and change it. So. If you wait, they always double the race. We already know that they do it in Tallahassee. They do it everywhere we go. So no matter well, what ho- hopefully a lot of guys court. haven't made reservations a year in advance. And, and, and uh, you know, I mean, Dallas is not a hard place to get to. And, and um, I'm glad they announced it a year in advance so people can adjust. Also, I ain't over the question. The defense is going to figure it out. The thing is, play, play call, Mark Rick. Why? If you go back to last year when we lost those four games, the play calling went downhill. And then as we started winning the last four or five, the play calling changed. He did the same thing this year. As we got with Bethune Cookman and Toledo, 
he changed. He let them dictate the pace to us. And then I uh, listened to his post-game comments after Toledo that we didn't need to speed the game up. Why not? Who can stop us? You put five wide receivers out there and you score five touchdowns in the first half, then you make them play to us. They can't run their offense. Yeah, it might be a little bit of a mirage, though. You know, I mean, they had those successful running plays early in the game, and they didn't have long drives, so he didn't call a lot of plays early. And, you know, I think they just they got out of rhythm in the second quarter. I'm saying it grew. I mean, it was running. great in the third and fourth, right? It was great. I mean, the play calling was great. So I always – if you ever want solace and peace in your life, watch the 30 for 30s. Jimmy Johnson said and all the other stuff. You you dictate the game to the opponent. If we have that type of speed down there, we know we have the best speed and some of the best talent in the nation. You come out attacking. You put up five touchdowns, they can't run the ball. Now you know what mm-hmm. they're going to do. Delaney don't need so much help. Now you can know where the ball is going, and the defense don't have so much pressure, and the, and the front seven can attack. But you're waiting to get down to try to attack. And that's what mm-hmm. that's what that's what killed Golden. Golden did the same thing. Never made adjustments. It was too late. Of course, mm-hmm. he couldn't coach either, but we know that. <laughs> but you can't do that. You got to be way more aggressive. You got to, you know, why do you got to go through halftime as a Miami team? We're not a middle class team. We're a top notch university, and make changes at halftime. Yeah, but but aggressive doesn't have to always mean throwing the ball, right? I mean, you have no, to no, run the ball, no, too. No, and, 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 and I mean, they <laughs> attack the opponent weakness. Whatever but, I mean, they had 140 stop. yards rushing, five, like, five minutes into the game. Like, I don't know, man. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I see it always. I mean, I mean, you can't just throw every down. Now, of course, when he did throw no, no, every no, down, no, it worked. But you gave some information. You said that Walter ran 11 times. And Homer ran eight. How many mm-hmm. rushes is that? You, that's uh, the whole game. So all the rushes. Yeah, well, I think they only ran sixty-five plays. So I mean, let's see. They had um, they ran the ball twenty-six times, and they they threw it thirty-six times. My guess is he'd like to be, he'd probably like to be closer to fifty-fifty. But in the second half, the pass was working so well, he stuck with it. You have to take what wins. Every team is different. Some teams well, that's why he stuck with the pass, because they couldn't defend it. <laughs> it was, no, everything was working. No huddle. He went to the no huddle that he couldn't defend. It wasn't the pass they couldn't defend. They couldn't defend a no huddle because they don't mm-hmm. have the athlete. They don't have the personnel to defend. If you come out from the start of the game with that and you go up five touchdowns, we down here from that. We score 60 points on them. But you mm-hmm. let them stay in the game. And luckily, we made no no bad turnovers in the second half that would have kept it close. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing saved us that those guys executed in the second half the way they did. Against good teams, you can't do that. You go out from the start, you go for the kill. You go for the kill from the start. When you see what they're running, they can't. Who can stop five, four or five wide receivers? Sets? We didn't beat a lot of teams back in the '80s because we was way better than them. We beat them because of the threat. The threat that they knew that we had the speed, and they backed off the line. And they even with Nebraska, I mean, the last championship we won, we beat Nebraska. They they were so scared when they realized they could actually play with the game was over. Go back and look at that game, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. We all think we scored what seven points in the second half, maybe if that. They when they realized they could play with us, that game was over with. The threat would take you out in that first half, and I don't think Mark Rick is watching enough of those thirty for thirty of what we do <laughs> and how we do it. 
The threat will take you out. It will. If somebody's scared of you, you already got them beat. You know, yeah. you don't have to, you don't have to, someone execute an offensive defense if you make that upon a schedule. So you come out with, if they watch it, they watch the criminals right now. Duke Hill, Florida State, anybody. Come out and fire wide receiver set. Come out of something that nobody expects us to see and attack the field. Then come back into your conventional offense, whatever you want to run. They're going to have to change everything they're doing. The threat will stop you every single time. Mm-hmm. It will. You don't have to beat them on the field. You beat them in the head. If you're looking at Jimmy Johnson, he beat them mentally, then he beat them physically. We got the physical attributes to beat any team on our schedule. We got to beat them mentally. That's the part I don't think he figured out yet. He go, he was like, oh, we didn't need to run. No, no, it ain't what we needed to do. It's what they thought we was going to do. Attack, attack, attack. Treat, treat every opponent like North Korea. Kick their ass out from the start. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Hey, let's end, let's end it with that. That was a good line. <laughs> I, I appreciate you calling. Um, give us a call next week, and uh, we'll we'll pick it up from there. We'll see what happens Friday night. But yeah, I like that line. All right, yeah, love you, man. Love you so much. All right, man. Thanks. Yeah, thank you for being part of the show. All right, I want to thank everybody that called in tonight. Thought it was a great show, and uh, just like last week, we think we're doing pretty well here. Uh, a lot of good callers. Glad we were able to get a lot of you guys on. A lot to talk about, and I think we covered pretty much all of it. So we'll see what happens Friday night. The Canes go up to Duke, and uh, a little bit of a tricky game. Obviously, Miami has more athletes. If Miami plays well, they should win the game and and possibly cover the spread. But, uh, you know, Duke has – if you're not playing and you're not on your game, Duke has the capability to be right there with you and make it interesting. And you know what happened the last time the Canes went to Durham and uh, hopefully it doesn't come down to the, to the last play in a miracle this time around. Um, I want to thank MVMT watches for sponsoring our show tonight. Remember you go to MVMT.com slash cane sport, pick out a nice watch there. You get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns. And uh, also want to thank uh, other sponsor, the startup.com, the company that was created by Canes fans and now is trying to help Canes fans and their family members become successful and get a break in the competitive business world. That's the startup.com. Check out their website. They got a whole suite of services there that can help you do better in business. Uh, next week, Canes Sport Live will be on Wednesday night. I apologize for that, um, but got to make a schedule change there. Uh, so we'll be on Wednesday night next week. I'll make sure I post reminders um, on Twitter and on the website. Um, so with that, I'll say good night, everybody. To those of you making the trip, I'll see you Friday in Durham. Good night, everybody. <laughs>